Hey, welcome in. Greg along for the ride on a Tuesday installment of the program. Our Tuesday is brought to you by our friends at the Nimnik family of dealerships. Nimnik Chevrolet is on Cassett Avenue. Been there since 1941. It's parked. They do a great job. Nimnik Buick GMC is over here on Phillips Highway. What a gorgeous dealership that is. Uh, people will treat you right, and they've got the best cars around. All of those Silverados are on that lot in Cassett. I drive that Sierra, and that's uh, on the lot over here at, uh, on the Phillips Highway side of town. So, man, oh, man, if you want a great car, uh, the name to know is Nimnik. It's been a sponsor of this program for the longest time, sponsor of this radio station since we lit the lamp. And I sure appreciate my friends at Nimnik. That's where you buy cars around here, the Nimnik family dealership. Frank Frangi, Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson, Hayes Carline. Hayes will be along in just a minute or two. He will join us. Um, a lot of fun stuff to get to. The Ingram tweet. See the Ingram tweet? He's great. Did you see it? I did. When he said, it's interesting, he said, man, I was hoping that was the announcement. I wonder if he knows, could he possibly know something we don't know? That's my question. Or is he tweeting that to make us think he knows no, something? No, it didn't come off like that. <laughs> I think he thought that they were about to say something about the franchise tag. That's what I thought. No, I don't. He wouldn't like the franchise tag. Well, he said that on a podcast that it, or a serious something like that, that it yeah. would be fine because he knows that it's the means to a long-term deal. Yeah. And, and you also have three weeks before they have to do that. The, the ta- what's the tag deadline? The 7th or 8th, I think? Somewhere something. in there. I know it opened today, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't. I just didn't. What did you think he meant then? Well, remember. These guys aren't negotiating. Their agents are. Right. And so when he said, when he said, oh, man, I was getting excited. I thought that was the announcement. Hey, look, I'm reading into it. I don't want to misrepresent this as, as I know more than I do because I don't. I, I don't pretend to know any of it. But he, it kept sounding like he was, he was, he might know something more than he says. And I'm, I'm wondering if he's, what if he knows it's about to happen? And he said, he's just waiting for it to be announced. He, You're he, talking he, about the long-term deal. Yeah. My heart dropped. I thought this was the announcement. That's what he said. My heart dropped. I thought this was the announcement. What would the announcement be? That it would make his heart drop. And I mean, what would the announcement be? Well, see, it's, and it's funny wording. Heart dropping. Like if I said my heart dropped, that would be for me personally. That would be something bad happened. Yeah, oh, I, my heart dropped. I guess. I guess. Yeah. Maybe. But I guess right. stomach Ma- dropped could also. Yeah. Be yeah I don't know. My heart dropped. I thought this was the announcement. Um, and it. Uh, and, and, and what it was, he was responding to a Jaguars tweet that said 17 makes it look easy. So right. he, they were just talking about a play he made, and he thought it was about an announcement. And then Kirk says, you're not going anywhere. I I don't know. I'm reading into it, but it sounds like to me he knows there's an announcement coming about him or he anticipates one, a good one, and he's excited, and he got excited because he thought that was it, and then he found that it wasn't. So we'll see. If he if an announcement comes in the next two or three days, we'll know it was. Boy, that'd be good news, wouldn't it? And again, it I, don't want, I don't want to misrepresent this. I have no idea what he was saying. But he's a good dude, and he's a good Jaguar, and he's a guy that they would use the franchise tag on if possible or if necessary. But nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants. And, and I'm glad you said what he said in the podcast. I did not hear that. But that, that like Cam, he's not going to worry about it. It just it'll it'll, it'll delay the pro. It just delay it long enough to get the big one done, which is what happened with Cam Robinson. Right. So, anyway, I liked it. I liked what I saw. Well, hopefully, yeah, he is alluding to in that tweet that his agent has told him we're getting close to a long term yeah. deal. Yeah. So 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 we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about the significance of that. I think it's really really significant on so many fronts, as is Jawan Taylor, Arden Key, and others. Uh, other thing, I want to I want to talk about Trayvon Walker today. We we touched on him the other day. Tom McManus made a good point about him. I want to talk about Trayvon Walker because we talked about acquisitions and who's good and, and how good the draft class was. I got a thought or two about Trayvon that's going to come up in just a bit. So I'll, Trayvon Walker is going to be one of the topics on the program today. I want to, I want to do that. We've got a Duval County Scholar athlete stopping by. That's always fun. Um, 
But I want to start with this, and I rarely start with college basketball, particularly if it's not Florida. Um, Brandon Miller. Have you followed this story? I have seen stuff today that's disturbing, yeah. So so just, just the, uh, I mean, disturbing. Yeah. He, had the, he brought the gun. So Darius Miles, who was in jail for murder, for murdering somebody on the Tuscaloosa Strip, Darius Miles apparently called Brandon Miller and said, bring me my gun. And Brandon Miller brought him the gun. This is the best player in college basketball. This guy's an unbelievable player. And I'm not going to – this isn't a pound-the-pulpit rant for me, at least not yet. But this guy that's the best player in college basketball that's dominating everybody, that's going to be a lottery pick if not the first overall pick, brought Miles the gun, and Miles shot and killed somebody with it, and then he just kept right on playing. Yeah, that's the part that doesn't make sense to me. Isn't that like accessory to a murder? Well, I don't know enough about this. Probably something we need to ask. We need to bring Brett in and ask him that question. But they said, apparently in the story, the police said there's nothing to charge him with. And that's, I guess, what I don't understand. Because yeah. if, if I'm driving the car and you go in and rob a gas station, I'm complicit for yeah, part of that. You would think, now J.J. made a good point when they were talking about it. We talked about it during the handoff, and they talked about it before I got there. He could say Miles thought he was in trouble. He was in some danger. And Brandon was bringing him the gun so he could defend himself. I mean, and there, if there's no evidence to prove otherwise, why would you not believe him? And and I don't and I don't know. I don't pretend to know more than I do. So I mean, if really, if if Miles thought he was in some serious danger, and he said, "Listen, I'm in some trouble. I don't know what to do. Bring me my gun so I can defend myself," and Miller did that because that was what he was told. I don't know. I don't know at that point if he's necessarily guilty. Yeah, I guess my question would be, why, if your friend was in trouble, why wouldn't you call nine one one? And maybe I, I don't, I don't know, but but again, if I'm if if Brandon sure, Miller if you're says the defense of Brandon Miller, yeah, if if I'm Brandon Miller and, and, and my my roommate says, look, I'm in trouble, please bring me my weapon so I can defend myself, and Brandon Miller, young guy, says, I'm going to do what my my roommate or my buddy asked me to do, and I bring him the gun, then I leave or I get out. I I, I can see why he's not. You know what I mean? I can see why it's a, it's just an awkward. Even if he's innocent, and even if that is what happened, and even if that's what he said, it just is going to feel awkward that this guy out there playing is the guy that brought the gun, and 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 will always it will beg the pl- the question that we're all going to ask, fair or not. What you ask in sports is, did he would the, would he be gone if he was a bench player, if he wasn't? Oh, I don't know, the best player in the country. Now that's not a fair question, right? But it's one everybody's going to ask. That that story rattled me today. Yeah, and then Nate Oates in his press conference today said, well, I can't control what everybody does off the court, things like that. that. This is a little bit more grave of a situation than I think just that. Like, that's more to me like, well, if my my players are speeding or something along those lines, like, yeah, I can't control that. Yeah, I would have felt better. And again, I'm not the one that was in the press conference. I would have felt better if Nate Oates had said, if, if he had said, listen, we've talked about this at length. I don't want to go into details about it. If we thought Brandon had had done anything inappropriate, he wouldn't be playing. Brandon and I have talked at length about this. There's more to the story, but I think Brandon was trying to help 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 our guy defend himself. Something of the like. I think if he had said that, then I think I would have felt better if that's what Nate Oates had said. Yeah, I think there's a better way to handle that press conference for sure when it's something of this nature. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it's a little bit of a 
Boy, tough story, no question about that. So, all right, so we got, we got a lot more to talk about today on the program. Uh, we are going to talk about Evan Ingram, his importance. I want to get into Trayvon Walker. Uh, I'm going to talk about one of the most important recruits in Florida football history. If you listen to the podcast, you'll know who it is. Did you listen to the podcast? Not yet. Okay, so then you, you got mentioned in the podcast. You're like a regular. You're a regular mention E on the podcast. You know, well, thank you. Yeah, you get I do mention, appreciate you get it. Mentioned. Although this week it's not great news Yeah, they, that you were discussing. I know. I know. We, well, we, we wondered about that. We weren't happy about the loss. I'm sure you paid lots of attention Friday night, and it really bothered you. I did, I did find out, though. I think either, that, either Friday night or Saturday I learned, I learned that they lost. It was so I get some credit for that, don't I? Not devastating, okay. but yeah, it was. You do get credit. But I'm going to talk about one of the most important recruits. Interesting. In okay. Florida football history, and again, if you heard the podcast today, you know who I'm talking about. But it's not somebody that would ever be on that list if uh, if uh, if I hadn't brought it up. So we'll certainly talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about college basketball where it's headed. Got a lot of fun stuff to do. Baseball right around the corner. I'm going to look back at a game played, oh, about 50 years ago. That okay. I think that it has some interest, and I'm going to point out something about that game. So, uh, got a lot to do today on the program. Glad you're with us. Frank Frangie, Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson, Hayes Carline. This is 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Welcome back to the program. Thanks to our friends at the Dimnick family of dealerships. Jaguar talking a bit coming up in, in just a minute. But before we do, I do want to get back to this. Uh, again, it's a, a breaking story of sorts. Um, this story, these stories have come from Alabama.com. That's the Birmingham News. They do a great job, by the way. They're all over this. The story, Alabama freshman basketball stand-up Brandon Miller, who I think is the best player in the country, brought the gun used on the on the strip killing, the Tuscaloosa strip killing of a woman that led to capital murder, murder charges for his former teammate Darius Miles, now his former teammate, and, and 20-year-old Michael Buzz Davis. Miles contacted Miller and asked him to bring his gun to where they were. He brought it and um, handed it to him and – then after that, as the shooting went on, Miller's windshield was struck twice by gunfire. So the guy who brought the gun, uh, his windshield was hit. Jaden Bradley, another Alabama player, was also at the scene of the shooting. And again, Nate Oates said, oh, by the way, and, and so District Attorney Paula Whitley, I'm reading this from the story now, District Attorney Paula Whitley said, quote, uh, when asked why he was not charged, quote, that's not a question I can answer. There's nothing we could charge him with. That's what she said. No, Nate Oates, the Alabama coach, said that he's, quote, not in any trouble. And this is a quote from Oates. Quote, we knew about that. Can't control everything everybody does outside of practice. Nobody knew that was going to happen. College kids are out. Brandon hasn't been in any type of trouble, nor is he in any type of trouble in this case. Wrong spot at the wrong time. It is just a yeah, I don't, I, and again, a I'm not indicting story. him because there's too much I don't know about it, but right. it's not wrong spot at the wrong time. You brought the no. gun. That's my thing is I, I don't understand when you read the DA's quote, Paula Whitley's quote, that's not a question I can answer. There's nothing we can charge him with. That's the part I don't understand. How can you not well, charge him with being complicit to a murder if he brought the weapon? Unless more, as I said earlier, and again, I want to give JJ credit. He made the point in the previous show. But unless they did ask him, and he said, listen, he's my friend. He's got a license to carry it. He's permitted. I don't know if he is or not, but just for the sake of the conversation. Yeah. He's permitted and licensed to carry it. Therefore, him having it with him is not a, any kind of a broken breaking a rule. I had no idea what was going to happen. My friend who's got a license to carry the gun. Uh, again, I'm, stay with me. I have no idea if that's sure. really happened. 
asked me to bring him the gun that he can legally carry, and I was trying to be a good friend. I had no idea what was going to happen after that. If that's the case, and you're the district attorney, what do you charge him with? I mean, realistically, he may be right. I mean, she's right, she's right, right? I suppose, I, I guess, there's just a lot of information that we don't know. Well, that's right. And but, that's, I, I don't even understand why any, any, he's asking for a gun. Yeah, any, any well, well, but again, if you're Brandon Miller, if you're Brandon Miller, if your friend asks you to bring a gun that you legally can carry, you bring it and then walk away, yeah, I don't. I'm, yeah, I I'm think not, I'm asking more questions before well, well, I bring sure, a gun somewhere. Well, well I, I, yeah, maybe, and maybe he did. You know, there's a lot of information we just don't know Correct. about this. But, but I'm just telling you, it is a, it's a very awkward, clunky situation. I mean, these look, college students get in trouble all the time. This one really rattled me. Hayes has stopped by. I mean, Hayes has made it in here. He had a, he had a business. Um, Call to deal with, so uh, he's in here. Have you, have you followed this story though? Have you followed this this Brandon Miller story? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really disturbing. Um, I, I if you ask me to bring you a gun, yeah, I'm gonna have some questions. Yeah, and and, and as to, Lawrence, now maybe he now maybe he did. And, and but I under I kind of understand though from a you know from the uh, prosecutor who talked about it, the state attorney saying. But there's not enough. I mean, the fact that he just brought the gun wouldn't be enough to press, even though yeah. something really awful happened yeah. after right. it. I think because again, they have to look at it as can we get, can we get a jury to yeah. decide beyond a reasonable oh. doubt that he knew exactly what the gun was for. And, and I'm going to try and put myself in that position. I'm going to try to just. Um, I'm not a gun guy. My buddies aren't gun guys, so it's probably a bad comparison. But for the sake of the discussion. If one of my really close friends said, hey, I'm hanging out in an area that I don't, I'm not comfortable with, but I've got to be here because of this, 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 and this. Um, hey, I've got that gun in the drawer. Would you bring it to me? I don't think I'm going to need it. I just, I, I'll feel more comfortable if I had it. I think I'd probably get the gun and drive it to him. What, what, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's the guy I trusted, a guy I was close to. I mean, I don't think I'd say, well, uh, break down all the reasons why you need it. I think if it was someone that I was close to, I mean, I mean I'm, I'm talking about a, a, rela- a good relationship. Right. Someone that I'm really close to, that I trust, that I know knows how to handle guns, and said, "Listen, I, I'm in fear for my life here. I, I need. Can, can you bring me the gun? I need. I need some help here." I would probably. Again, I'm not much of a gun guy, so I don't know. I'm the wrong person to probably make this analogy, but I would probably get the gun. I'd probably. Again, I'm so not a gun guy. I wouldn't even know what to do with it. But I would probably hand him the gun, and say, "Man, let's let's get out of here, or call the police, or whatever." But I w- I don't think I would not bring it. Right. I don't know what I'd do. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree. And, you know, I, I also think that, you know, from the university's perspective, I, I would understand them saying, look, we can't, we can't have him out there maybe until we know a little bit more about it. I mean, again, that's where the, the lines are different. The lines in terms of the law and, and you know, getting a, a jury to convict beyond a reasonable doubt versus just the privilege of playing, you know, athletics at a university – you know, like I was a little put off by Nate Oates's explanation of it, and I apologize because I don't, I didn't get a chance to hear you guys as you started this. But you know, he's basically like, "Well, you know, kids are kind of kids, and you wrong know, wrong place, wrong time." Yeah, and you know, it, it. I mean, it, it seems like that's a little cavalier yeah. for the severity of what ended up happening. Well, my buddy John, John, thank you for sending me this. Sent me this. I didn't realize this. Um, in 2022, Alabama enacted a quote 
permitless permitless carry quote um, by repealing a longstanding prohibition on carrying a concealed handgun in public without a permit subject to a background check. So now you don't have to have a permit according to what John just sent me. So I didn't realize that. So interesting stuff. I also think if you, if your friend's texting you at one o'clock in the morning or after midnight saying, I need a gun, you're probably going, I think we need to involve the police if it's that late and you're in a weird situation. We don't know that he didn't say that. Well, and that's where I think more information will come out as far as, because if it's, if he's texting him, then we have on record what Brandon Miller is texting back. But let me ask you, if you're, if you're, and again, if your friend, you think my is t- someone you're really close to. I'm assuming they're close. Someone you're really close to, who you care about, says I'm in some danger. Would you bring me my gun, and or would you do whatever? Hey, look, you just need to call the cops. I'm go- I've already called the cops. I've already done this. But until then, can you bring me my gun, which I legally can carry? Would you bring it to him? I probably would. Just being honest, I probably I would, would not. You, you would just say no. I would say the police will get there faster than I will with the gun, and they do? can handle it. I would do it, and I absolutely would have done it as an eighteen-year-old. Yeah, right. That, that's right. That's exactly right. I just, uh, I mean, what if what if you don't, and the person gets killed? You know. So, but again, and I don't, I don't pretend to know more. It's just an awkward situation. It's a very awkward circumstance. Well, and it, this is a mom who died. I mean, that's the other right. really sad part of it is her son is now left, and that's the other thing is, I don't know. Was she? Did she have a gun? Is that how all the, all of it got started? Right. We don't know if and any part come out was in the self-defense. Trial. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so, so, but we'll, we'll, it's a sad story. And again, the reason it is such a powerful story, I mean, it was a powerful story when it happened because it's a murder case. The reason it's now a story again is because this guy's a mega great player. If this was the Iowa State or, or, or Memphis team that was good but not mega great and, and a player that nobody knew was, was accused of murder and another player on the team you found out later brought the gun, it would be a story, but not like this. This is the best player in the country. This is a guy that might be the first pick in the lottery. It might be the first pick in the NBA draft. He's that good a player. And to Hayes' point, the school can suspend him. Yeah. They don't have to have the law press charges against him. They can say, I don't think you should have been involved in this particular situation until we get more information. Yeah. You're suspended. Yeah, boy, what a, what a, I mean, that, that, that story kind of jarred me a little bit. Absolutely. That's what this, all right, so we'll talk more about that when we know more about it. There's not a whole lot to add to it now. My guess is you're going to see a number of stories about it. All the questions we just asked, I think you're going to see get asked. I don't think they're going to get asked on a regular basis. All right, we'll talk about that. What did you make of the Evan Ingram tweet? I is this it. thing done? Is it done? It certainly seems like I it. I told Lauren my, but... take, my take on it is he probably – that tells me that he knows the agent and the team are talking and that the announcement's going to come any day and he got excited because he thought that's what it was. Isn't that, isn't that how you – Lauren read it differently. Isn't that how you read it? That's how I read it. Yeah, because yeah, if they tag him, they're probably not announcing that Two weeks out. until March 7th. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I read it as, you know, th- th- this is my contract extension announcement. It was kind of funny that it, how it coincided. Yeah, I know. It, they showed a picture of him. But, I mean, the fact, the fact that he did it, if there's no conversations at all going on, he probably doesn't respond. He probably there's right. probably does, does a picture of me doing my thing. But the minute he saw his name and his number, he immediately responded. He thought that was it. He thought it was it. Wait so, a second. I thought we were doing this on Thursday. Yeah, right, right. Exactly. That's what I took out of it. So uh, so I've been kind of in a good mood since I saw it. Yeah. Because it tells me, and I, and I will tell you, you don't have to be, you don't have to have a whole lot of inside information to know that they really want to bring him back. I, I, I've said this from, from the minute the season ended. There's no chance he's not on the football team. No chance. 
even if it means the, the franchise tag, there's no conceivable chance he's not playing on the football. Agree? Do you agree with that? I do. There's I no do. chance. Yeah, I, I, there's no chance he's not. Because yeah. the tag number isn't so high that it, it would prevent them from doing it. Right. So, so he's going to be on the football team. So I agree. I think, I think it's significant. Um, but it is huge if it's an extension because then they do still have the tag available if they wanted to apply it to Jawan Taylor, which yeah. I don't know that they'll do. That's a big number, man. It, it's a big number. Because no, tackles are lumped together. Yeah, but look at it this way. I, you know, that it could even be a tag and a trade. Yeah. You know, where yeah. if he leaves as a free agent, you're going to get a comp pick, but you got to wait until 2024 for that to roll in. Right. Uh, and it will, I think, break the world because the Jaguars have never had one. At right. least it feels that way. Um, I know they haven't had one in 10 years. Um if you tag Jawan Taylor, now you have to be confident that there's another team that would take it on, but you could tag him and then and then trade him, and then that team could, you know, reach the extension with him. But, uh, but yeah, I would agree. Uh, the, the The good news is they had to keep Evan Ingram. Right. That's and and they've done that. You know, if if Walker Little has to play right tackle, that's fine. But uh, if Arden Key gets big money to go elsewhere, tip your hat to him. Um, but uh, but Evan Ingram is the one that I can't wait to watch this offense with uh, Christian Kirk and Evan Ingram and Zay Jones and Calvin Ridley and, and Travis Etienne and, and another year and another year. And, and I mean Travis Etienne with the year under his belt, Tra- Trevor with the year under Doug under his belt. That that's I mean, the thing. In all honesty, how how do you defend? I mean, I don't mean how do you defend. They'll get stopped. I'm not trying, to, but. In terms of like how you prioritize that from a defensive perspective, assuming like uh, Calvin Ridley comes right. back and in his first two games has 160 combined yards, enough to know that, enough to show you that he's back to close to where he was. What, what about this? Since you're since we're going all 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 in on this offense, what if they they probably don't bring back? What if they don't bring back Manhurts, and they signed the, and they drafted Georgia guy in the first round? How about that for the offense? Donnell that? Washington. I don't know Washington. Six seven, two sixty, runs like a receiver. What if they did that? It'd be wild. Can you imagine? I mean, I mean that that'd be fun. That would that be, be fun? That'd be fun. You know. So I'm you know. all for taking Georgia players in the first round. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. The only thing I would do other than that is I would also take them in the second, third, fourth, yeah. and fifth round mm-hmm. because they're because because they're all. But by the way, the, the whole Georgia team's going to the NFL. The whole team's going to go, and then. They're going to win the thing again next year. That's how, right. that's how well the dang guys recruited. I don't know about that. They don't <laughs> one have of these days, anymore. If she keeps underselling Georgia, one of <laughs> yeah, these days, that's a, that's, it'll, a good, that's a good point. It'll come they're, home. They're finally going to lose again. Yeah. Lawrence, I told you they were going to lose. <laughs> uh, Alabama beat them 51-50. I never liked them in that game. So, so that, that, is, that is true. One thing I am going to get to today, just an interesting topic. we got a lot of stuff, but if we can get to it today, that there's an interesting story. Somebody wrote it. I think it might have been Seth Emerson who covers Georgia. How does the Todd Munkin out, Mike Bobo in, affect Carson Beck? Now, Carson Beck was going to be Todd Munkin's guy. There, I mean, there was no doubting it. Uh, he's a drop-back guy. He's an NFL arm, Todd Munkin's an NFL thinker. But here comes Mike Bobo, who's not. And the story I read said the, the, the gap, essentially, I'm putting words into it. I'll get the words right. But essentially, the, the implication was, the the advantage Carson Beck had has now been neutralized because a new coordinator is going to – and there's two other big-time recruits there, Vandergriff and – who's the other guy? Brock Vandergriff and 
Gunnar Stockton. Gunnar Stockton. That's two. They're they're five stars also. And Joe Montana. Yeah, and, and Tom Brady. <laughs> so Dan Marino, I the, think, is in the red yeah, and black. Well, well, he's being redshirted. Okay? Yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, redshirted. Yeah. The uh, uh, but but I mean the point is, and I'll, I'll, we'll get to it later on in the program. But I mean, how does it affect Carson Beck? I think I think Carson Beck is is affected by this. I I. I, and I hope he's not because he's waited his turn, so we'll see what happens. All right, we've got a lot of things to talk about today on the program. When we come back, we'll bring in our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week. That's next. Stay with us. FM Hour is powered by Anajar and Levine Accident Attorneys. Call 1-800-747-3. That's 1-800-747-3733. And now, this week's Scholar Athlete of the Week, brought to you by Southeast Orthopedic Specialists and the Plumbers and Pipefitters Local Union 234 on 1010XL. Brianna Henderson is our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week, a senior at Ed White High School. Brianna, congratulations and thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right, so you're a really good student. We normally start with athletics, but I'm going to start with how good of a student you are. You have been in the National Honor Society, and you've already gotten accepted to JU with an academic scholarship. How many hours a day do you study, and, and how much do you love studying? Well, I study when it really counts. I love studying, and I make sure I do not fail no tests or quizzes. That's very good. Was, that, was, was academics important from the get-go for you to make yeah. sure you made good grades? It always been important to me. Why? Because I know that you need academics to take it far in the career. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the, the sports stuff. Flag football and basketball. Now, how long have you been playing both? I've been playing basketball since sixth grade, and I just started flag in ninth grade. Okay, so tell me about basketball. Tell me, uh, I, I see, I see your shirt. I can tell you're a basketball <laughs> player. Tell me why you like basketball. Tell me about your career a little bit. Well, basketball, I got well my um, in the neighborhood. I used to play with boys in my uh, next to me, and I just really loved it ever since then. Do you have a favorite game? Favorite memory of oh. uh, of playing? My favorite memory is when we won uh, districts because we never won districts at Ed White for girls. Who'd you beat? Who'd you beat? Yeah, tell us about the the game and the performance you had and, yeah, the whole thing. Well, for the second round, we played Terry Parker, and we almost lost. Like, we was not in the lead the whole game until the fourth quarter, and I came out a different person in the second <laughs> half. That's why they won, Hayes. That's right. Sometimes it takes that. You also play flag football. Tell me what position you play and – what is exactly what you love about flag football? Well, I used to play running back for ninth and 10th grade and 11th grade. I got hurt in 11th grade during the end. And at the beginning of 12th season, I play a uh, right receiver. And I just love it because the chemistry and it's just something new for girls because they never had a chance to play. And your favorite team is the Jaguars? Yes, ma'am. Who's your favorite player? Uh, Trevor Lawrence. Okay. That's a good choice. <laughs> yes, it is. That's a good point because girls haven't had a chance to play football. That makes it kind of special, doesn't it? Yeah. Do you see some of your friends play? Tell us about tell us give us a football experience or two. You had to have some fun practicing playing. Tell us about that a little bit. Oh, uh, one of one favorite experience is when we played Andrew Jackson and we uh had to beat them to win Gateway. Oh, so you won Gateway. You've yes, had a good year. You've had a yeah. good year, good year and all that stuff. Absolutely. What are you uh planning on studying once you get to JU or whichever college you end up choosing? I don't know where I want to study at, but I'm leaning towards to be a physical therapist. And why is that? My mom's a nurse, and I just want to look up to her. Very, very cool. That's very exciting. Very exciting. So you're going to? Have you decided on JU? That's where you're headed. Yeah. That's very. That's a cool school. What What made JU stand out for you? It's just closer to home. Okay. Okay. And a good school as well. All right. Well, very good. Well, Brianna Henderson is our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week. She's from Ed White. She's a fantastic student. You just heard her. They're winning championships left and right over there in flag football. <laughs> 
and basketball, two-time All-Gateway Conference in football uh, and multiple player of the game in basketball. So congratulations. Great having you in here. Congratulations. Thank you. All right. Brianna Henderson from Ed White. She did a terrific job, and uh, she is on her way to uh, JU on an academic scholarship. So congratulations to Brianna from Ed White High School, our Duval County Scholar Athlete of the Week. And it's great having her in here. No question. We'll be at JU tomorrow. Yep. Um, we're going to talk more about this whole Evan Ingram thing. I, I want to get to Trayvon Walker, but I want to really focus on Trayvon a little bit today on our program. What can he be? What not? But I got a problem. Let's solve it. I got a problem with the world. Can I share this with you? Sure. With the world? No, something in the world. <laughs> that didn't really make much sense. Yeah, I, I got a, I got a problem with BMI. Body mass index. Yeah, I got a problem. Okay. I love BMI. What's your problem with it? Well, I mean, it's garbage. I think it's garbage. <laughs> I do too, Frank. I mean, now hang on, hang on. So I had a little doctor's appointment today. Okay. My, I am a hair under six three. Okay. I weigh two o two. Okay. My waist is thirty six, almost thirty seven. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm. I don't think I'm a fat guy. BMI says I'm a fat guy. Yeah. And I want to fight somebody. It's, it's kind of crap. Well, look at it this way. I mean, I like, mean, what is BMI? I mean, what, what, BMI what are we doing? thinks that every male should be like Tarzan. It does. <laughs> or, so that's, or Twiggy. Yeah. So okay. if you're or not like bowl. Tarzan, <laughs> yeah. you know, who's only eaten blueberries right. and, you know, things in the jungle. <laughs> right, and, right, does everyone know that limbs. who Twiggy is? Yeah. Twi- Twiggy's like an, like an old no, model. model. Yeah. 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 Good point. I went old guy a little bit there. Well, keep they in probably mind. probably don't know Manute Bowl either. When Arnold Schwarzenegger was competing at his highest, he, his, his BMI told him he was obese. Okay. I didn't know that. So Gibby's on my side of Look this. Look at Gibby, this. Give your boat up yeah. too, aren't you? I, the, I mean, he's, he's clearly <laughs> the, I mean, I mean, leading this so brigade. I go to the doctor, so I'm just going to sit back and so, watch. So I, go to the, so I have this doctor's appointment today. So I get all this stuff and I'm, you know, and I'm checking, but if there's everything good except my BMI, it says I'm fa- I'm a fatty. My BMI says fatty right under it. And again, I'm 202. I'm not a fatty, and I'm and I'm mad. I need answers. Yeah, if you, if you want to feel bad about yourself, yeah. go get a physical. Yeah, I mean, I want I want I want I, want answer, I need answers, Brooks. I mean, you're like you're like fit person. Why is my BMI high? Uh, it sounds like you need to get to like 198. No, this thing wants me 175. I think. Right. Oh. I mean, I yeah. I, I think 198. I'd still be a fatty uh, by BMI. I don't Absolutely. like it all. Yeah. It bothers yeah, me. Yeah, BMI wants you to be like males. They want you to be like 175. <laughs> they really do. You preach to the hard. choir. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> that's hard. I'm in normal yeah. for my BMI, so I don't yeah. know what's yeah. wrong with the so men. Are you, are you in the normal range? Yeah, I'm, okay, normal. So I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm six foot, two and a half, 202, and I, I get all these. My, my blood pressure is 97 over 66. My pulse is 57. I have all these good numbers, except my BMI says I'm a fatty, and I don't like it. I'm a little bowed up about it. I, I That's would, just where I am right now. I would say that you're now a member of a club that a big pretty club. much includes every <laughs> man yeah. alive, other like than it. maybe like six of them. I don't, <laughs> see, I'll, you know, I don't like that. Probably a lot of basketball players the, would fit in the good category I guess. Of BMI. Okay, that's, that's all I guess. I'm, I'm, I'm mad about BMI makes no sense to me. Who decided that? Did somebody come down and say, listen, here's how BMI is going to work. If you're rail thin, you're okay. If you're anything else, you suck. Is that what happened? Adolfe Catelet. That's who invented Well, he BMI. sucks. Yeah, he sucks. <laughs> he absolutely sucks. What 18, the hell? Adolfe? I ain't got, like I got time for Adolfe. See, again, in the 1830s. Right. We need to yeah. probably change it for I mean, now that we eat cheeseburgers. Yeah. I mean, come on. Is Adolfe dead? Oh, yeah. 
I'm not a doctor, but I don't believe BMI factors in muscle mass. Well, no, because in the 1800s, no one had it. <laughs> yeah. right. I mean, yeah. they, they didn't well, have really weight training. Yeah. They were literally sticks. I don't think so, you have to worry about yeah. BMI. About, about, and to be they clear, ate berries and they ate mutton, <laughs> yeah. twigs, and that was about it. <laughs> yeah. And and to be honest, I'm not going to sit there and say the problem is my significant muscle mass. Okay, I'm not claiming that that's where I, I'm You're not, not Schwarzenegger. Claim, I'm not claiming that's where I went wrong. But I'm I would, saying I would, I'm I would saying imagine the charts off the mark. if we put you in yeah. the 1830s, yeah. Yeah. you'd be one of the stronger <laughs> males. Hey, I'd be running around whipping ass just, yeah. just out of general principle. I'm going to go whoop that guy. Why? I just am. I'd be that guy. That's what I would do. So, yeah, okay. Yeah. I really don't think you have anything to worry about. Well, no, I wasn't worried. I'm annoyed. Right. Well, or be annoyed by because it's it's literally just a number create off, created off of probably like a spreadsheet, but in whatever yeah. 1830s time, yeah, I like it's, it. it's the scale that they came up with is not. I mean, what now. in medical science yeah. are we still using? From the 1830s. Okay, so. I mean, why don't you just get a bunch of leeches out and yeah. put them all over? I, 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 so, uh, do me a favor. Will you do me a favor? Isn't that what the cupping thing is? Yeah, yeah, I'm just yeah. kidding. I've had cupping. It's, it does nothing right, for it's you. Right. It's not really the leeches. You, you know what cup kind of it does? Like it. it leaves a bunch of cup marks all over your body right. and does nothing else for you. That's my that's my take. So, I've never tried it. Um, uh, would you do me a favor? You got the Google pulled up there? Would you pull up Evan Ingram's height and weight, please? Sure. I'm going to say 6'3", 240. Right, he's gonna flunk it. He's gonna. Was he a fatty? You were about to sign him to this yeah. big deal. He's like one of the best pass catching tight ends in the NFL. Is he gonna flunk the BMI? They should exhume this man's body and right, arrest right. him. <laughs> Absolutely. I he mean, has exactly six three two forty. Six three two forty. Okay. So you're telling two people now have flunked the BMI. Evan Ingram and me. Okay. Yeah. So two people are. are he's are actually BMI. in the. You are just in the overweight category. He's in the obese category. So Evan Ingram, really. Okay, ask, he's Schwarzenegger. Yeah, ask those linebackers that he's running away from yeah. if he's obese. I think it's time to to update that. Yeah, I you mean, think? I, you know, I I understand that you know I didn't go to school for nine years, <laughs> but I think I can look at this <laughs> yeah. and say that it's probably time for the medical okay. industry okay. to update the BMI okay. uh, component here. How I mean, fat is Patrick Mahomes? He's six yeah. three, two thirty. Yeah, well, fatty's what he is. He's a fatty. He's fatter than me. That's what I'm saying. So there you go. Right, I feel better. I had to get that off my chest. Gibby, thanks for having Did my back. Did your doctor oh, really bring it up? It's it. They they give you the sheet. Yeah, mine and it, did too. And it, and it says all your stuff and your BMI's on there. Right. And it just but your said, doctor didn't actually talk to. And the about BMI, it. my BMI said it's 26.0. Right. I said okay, no problem. I'll look at what that means, and I looked it up. 18 to 25 is normal. 26.0 is a fatty, and I said, and it said 26.0 on my thing. I mean, again, I, there's no secrets here. I'm six two and a half, two oh two. I'm not hiding anything. So right away, you know, well, my doctor didn't factor in the half. Yeah, I guess. that's true. My doctor uh, actually admitted that BMI's crap. So yeah, I, yeah. I appreciate them. You're good. I need, I need your doctor. Okay. Yeah. Let's I mean, breath. again, you know, we can progress. You know, that's allowed, <laughs> and we can come up with something that is a little bit more, you know, up to date. The 1830s aren't the way to go, you're telling me. Yeah, I would say that if you're doing something that's 200 years old in the medical profession, you know, it's probably time to update that They do have much better measurements. Obviously, your doctor was not paying attention to your BMI, and most doctors these days are not. But they have ways to measure your body fat, which I think that's where they actually, like, will pinch things. The calipers or whatever. Yeah, Yeah, the calipers, calipers. yeah. And so that, I think, is a much more accurate test. Uh, But if that comes back bad, then I can't help you. Yeah, well, if if it doesn't matter, then why is it on my damn report? Well, that's a good point. Take it off my dang report, and I'll be okay, Carlion. I am right there with you. I'm now angry, too. (laughs) 
that was the idea. Yeah. I need support. I need some backup. Uh, back to Evan Ingram, who's uh, obese like me, for just a second or two. Um, if this is if if today's tweet was a suggestion that they're close, I think it's more than just getting a good player. I think Hayes. I, I think this thing reaches out. It tells it tells players, the current players, possible new players, fans, how serious we are. Uh, we had a this this Jaguar team had this magnificent second half of the season, which made a, if you think about it that way a really good year, one of the best years we've had around here, and honestly one of the the only two of the best the only two good years we've had in the last fourteen. What a great message that we're not messing around. A guy that was really part of this, we're getting it done now. I mean it's it's February twenty first. I mean, wouldn't that be a and, and by the way, if, if it takes longer, that doesn't mean it's a bad message. But what a wonderful message. The whole organization, Evan, because he agreed to it so quick, the team, because they, they, they were so aggressive and proactive. Isn't it a great message if it got done this quickly, if indeed that's what the tweet was suggesting? I think it's fantastic. Again, if, if you're looking at the Jaguars moving forward with Evan Ingram, you've got roughly 2,700 yards of receiving returning with Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, and Evan Ingram. You're then adding Calvin Ridley. ETN gave you 300 yards receiving, and obviously he'll be back. So basically you have 3,000 yards receiving, returning. And oh, by the way, you're adding Calvin Ridley. And oh, by the way, your 23-year-old quarterback is now in his second year with a Super Bowl-winning head coach who is also the reigning division champion. It's pretty good. That's uh, that. There's a lot to like in in that sentence. Ingram told Sirius Radio yesterday, "We haven't had too many conversations yet, but the interest is there on both sides for me to come back, and obviously, I would love to come back as well." Yeah, yeah. So, well, it's. So I'd wide- be surprised if it's super fast. Yeah, it's widely known that he wants to be on this team, and it's widely known that they want him on the team. And when that happens, it usually gets done, and, unless the teams are light years apart, which I don't think they will be. So, anyway, it was just it got my attention today, and I and I love the fact that Christian Kirk responded quickly because it speaks to the bond that we kind of know exists with all those guys. I'm telling you, this is it's going to not only be, you know, we always win the offseason, but we're really going to win this offseason. I I just I just I sense all kind of good stuff from from this team. Yeah, it's going to be like we've talked about. It's going to be different than last offseason where when we were at the players, yeah. we were literally going, "Okay, they've got Foley Fatakasi. Okay, yeah. now Foye Luakan and we had not necessarily even known how to pronounce those names at that point in time, uh, but it was fast well, and furious. And and not getting a guy in the first two or three days of legal tampering isn't going to bother anybody. Last year, when when nothing happened the first day, the feeling arose: well, they're not doing anything. They're not doing anything. Well, now nobody will care, you know, because they'll know. Because I would, I would sense, I would sense. When does the league year start? The fifteenth, mm-hmm. the Wednesday, the fifteenth. So the legal tampering, the Monday, the thirteenth, is when all the activity Correct. gets happening. I would sense by then, we will pretty much know about the three key guys. I I would sense that, which means I'm saying they're going to stay because if you, cause they can't they can't leave otherwise. I mean, we can't know before otherwise. But I uh, I think well, I think by March 13th, we'll have a pretty good idea. Yeah, the only one that I wonder about is Juwan Taylor. If a team believes he could be a left tackle, I agree. Is the money offered just too much for the Jaguars to be able to match? Well, I can tell you this, and it might be, and I, and I said the same thing. If he gets left tackle money, it'd be hard to keep him. Yeah. But I will tell you this again. The team's going to be bullish on trying. I can promise you that. They like him. They like him as their right tackle. 
Walker Little or no Walker Little, they like having they like having Jawan Taylor's their right tackle. I promise you that. So we'll see. All right, take a break. When we come back, I want to say on the Jags. What is Trayvon Walker? How did he do? How did he do? Somebody had him, like you said, somebody had him in a, a redraft, would have gone 30th. Somebody else did a redraft, would have gone third. What will he be? What can he be? Let's talk about Trayvon Walker after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Glad you're with us. Frank Franzi Hayes, Carline, Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson with you on this Nimnik Tuesday. Thanks to our friends at the Nimnik family of dealerships, Nimnik Chevrolet and Cassett. Nimnik Buick GMC is located on Phillips Highway. Uh, Tom McManus, former terrific linebacker for the Jags, and you know him, a big part of our 1010XL family here. Uh, you hear him both on the air and the terrific podcast he does. Uh, has a great look at uh, a great way to look at players, and, and he assesses players because he understands it because he was one. Uh, Tommy talked today about his thoughts uh, about Trayvon Walker heading forward. Trevon, he's not giving me he's a rookie, but you know, he can't bull rush every time. You got to come up with some really sick moves. And not and some of it's as simple as just being able to bend around that tackle pushing you out. You know, getting that low, I don't know, maybe you gotta stretch more, take taekwondo or yoga or whatever. I don't know. But if he had more moves, you know, you he would be one of the better pass rushing outside backers in the game. And that's the book on Trayvon tough physical football player that doesn't have pass rushing moves. And that was kind of the book when he got here, right? Big picture from 10,000 feet. What do you think of Trayvon Walker? I think he is disruptive. I think he's got uh, unbelievable potential. And, you know, but it's still that. It's still a belief. It's not knowing. It's not the concrete. I've seen him do it. I know he's going to be a star in this league. Uh, you're to me. You're still having to look through uh, some some clouds to try and determine uh, you know what he is going to be. But I I like Trayvon Walker. I think his athleticism is uh, superior, and I think his effort is there. I I mean obviously he's got to get more refined. But again, this isn't a surprise. We could have. I mean that that was the from the day he was on their radar. It was he's going to need time, which is not uncommon. Uh, most elite edge rushers in this league needed a year to figure it out before they really started putting up big numbers. I'm not saying he's going to do that, um, but I, I do think that Trayvon Walker is in a good place. I think he had a better season than what he gets uh, credited for. And uh, I do think he's going to figure it out. To me, Trayvon Walker strikes me as somebody that is going to work to identify his weaknesses and strengthen those weaknesses. He's not going to be a guy that's like, you know, all consumed with the money he's making and the cars he's going to buy in the offseason and the fun he's going to have. Trayvon Walker is a worker. And I, I, I think even though he's got you know, a Ferrari athleticism, I think he's very much a lunch pail guy uh, when it comes to football and his job. And so I, I have every confidence that no stone will go left unturned with Trayvon Walker. He is going to do whatever it takes. He's very coachable. Uh, and I think he's very humble. So I, I think he's going to realize that, yes, I, I needed a year to get adjusted. These are the things I have to do. These are the people I need to talk to. I, I, I think, 
I think it's it's all going to be there for Trayvon Walker. So I believe he's going to be a very good player, maybe even beyond that in the at the NFL level, because I think the work hard and the athleticism are going to be too much for him to be a disappointing NFL player. It's so incredibly ironic that we knew going into the season Aiden Hutchinson would have more sacks than Trayvon Walker, but Trayvon Walker <laughs> would be a very disruptive player and would be a versatile player, even though they told us they were only going to play him at one position. He ended up being exactly those things. He was disruptive. He had a lot of good pressures. He did not have the same amount of sacks, certainly not even close to Aiden Hutchinson, but he has to develop pass rush moves, and he is a versatile player. And so he's a, a key player for this team moving forward, and I agree. I think he's going to learn those pass rush moves, and he'll be <clears throat> probably in the 8 to 10 sack range next season. I think – yeah, I can live with that. I, I, I could believe it'll be more than three and a half. I don't know if it'll be eight. But, see, I think this too, and I and I've tried very hard not to just be Homer guy. Everything's good. Everything's wonderful. But I think, and Hayes, you hit on some of it, <coughs> this guy's a football player. If you're a really good football player, I mean, I think he's going to be a really good NFL football player. The problem is when you hear outside linebacker, you think Von Miller, you think thin and bend, you think 6'3", 6'4", 245, 255, right? That's not what he is. He's built way more like Chris Jones and J.J. Watt, even though he's not 290 yet, than he is the, the Aiden Hutchinson, who's going to play at 255 his whole career, 260, whatever. I'm not sure where he plays. But I think he is a guy that there's a toughness to him. I think he's a guy that there's a physicality to him. There, the, you know, Everything you talked about, the work ethic, the heart, I think he's going to be a really good Jaguar. I don't know that he's ever going to have phenomenal stats. We talked yesterday about which guys make it up to the wall. I don't know if he's ever going to have stats to get him on the wall. And he's always going to be – but he's always going to be compared – I say compared to, compared to Hutchinson, but judged by that first overall pick. Well, at some point in his career, he's just got to be a player. Not a player that went first overall, but just a player. And when he starts getting judged, I think he'll be good. I still believe he's better with his hand on the ground. I still believe he's going to play bigger than 272 or whatever they listed him at this year. I think he's a guy that's going to play 285, 290. I think he's way more – if he becomes good, he's way more Chris Jones and Calais Campbell than he is Von Miller. That's what I think. If he was going to be a megastar, one of the greats of all time, I don't know if he will. But let, let, let's assume for a second that he that everything happens perfectly and he becomes one of the greats of all time. Well, if he does, it will be he'll he will have been more of a Reggie White than a Lawrence Taylor. You with me on that? No doubt about that, it. That that's what he, he would be more if he became great, and who knows if he will, it would he would be great like Reggie White, not great like Lawrence Taylor. Again, I'm not saying he's Reggie White, but I'm saying if he was good, that's what he would be. I really want to see him with his hand on the ground. I want to see him with his hand on the ground most of the time. I guess that's where this is going. I want to put your hand on the ground and because that's where you are a terror. And I hope whether that means changing the scheme or whatever they do, I hope that's where he lands. Yeah, I, I'll give you a couple of, of comps, but also just things to, to keep in mind in terms of Trayvon Walker and, and evaluating him and in uh, reaching a conclusion. Khalil Mack is a rookie, had four sacks. His next year, he had 15. Okay. 
If Trayvon Walker has 15 sacks and Trevor Lawrence is healthy, this team's going to the Super Bowl next year. J.J. Uh, Watt had five and a half sacks as a rookie. And again, these are full seasons in 16 right. games. Cleo Mack played every game as a rookie, too. So I'm not giving you Khalil Mack had four sacks in seven games. Right. In 16 games, Khalil Mack had four sacks as a rookie. He had 15 the following year. J.J. Watt as a rookie in a 16-game schedule, five and a half sacks. His next year, 20 and a half. Yeah. And it takes a year. Right. That's a, that's, those are great numbers because to me, he, he, he looks more like J.J. than Khalil. But that's not where you're going is give a guy a year or two to, to, to develop his pass rush abilities. And, and, I, and I agree with that. I, I just think – I don't think the time's ever going to come. There, look, there's been – in, in the history of this franchise, whether we like it or not, there has been a litany, a litany of first-round draft picks. We said, what were they doing? I mean, if we, if we started running them off from R.J. Soward to, to Derek Harvey to Taven Bryan to – I mean – I mean Reggie Waves and Matt Jones. I mean how how you could you could talk all day, couldn't you? First round picks, you went back and go, what were they thinking about taking that guy in the first round? And this is a first overall pick, and they've only had two of those ever, and the other one's going to be really good. He's a quarterback. But I I guess where I'm going with this, I don't think the day's ever coming where we look back at Trayvon Walker and go, why did they do that? You might say he probably doesn't have the numbers to support first overall, but I don't care about that. What I care about is. Is he an important part of helping the team win games? I don't think that. I don't think we're ever going to look back and go, "Whew, they blew that one." Do you? No, I don't think so. But I do think, <clears throat> in order for him to be more disruptive, he's got some work to do this this upcoming off season. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree. Yeah, there's no question. He's got to be better. He's got to play better. He, I mean, and if you play better, the numbers will come. I don't see him going from three and a half sacks to thirteen. To to your point about. Khalil Mack and J.J. Watt. I don't, I don't see – I don't think he's ever going to be a high sack number guy. No, I think he could be an 8-10 to 10 guy, to your point, Lauren. But I, and I don't know if it's next year. But I don't ever see him with 18 sacks. I, I just don't see it. Josh Allen, if the light – if Josh Allen ever became as good as he could be, I could see him with double-digit sacks. I don't sense that with, with Trayvon Walker. Do you think Trayvon Walker could ever be a 15-plus sack guy? Yes. You do. How about you? That seems high. Yeah, I, I don't I but I think you can be a very good player without being that. Now Chris Jones all of a sudden had fifteen sacks and he's been a hand on the ground, two hundred and ninety five, three hundred pound player. He's gotta be three hundred pounds. You know, he's a six six, three hundred pound guy. So you can get there. And the game keeps changing. So so what guy fits what continues to change. But but uh but nobody and even when you go around and ask people, I can't find anybody that thinks Trayvon Walker is a bust that Trayvon Walker shouldn't have been here, that they messed up. Aiden Hutchinson, now, can you say Aiden Hutchinson would have had better stats? Well, you knew that going in. But I haven't found anybody that says, man, I wish they didn't take. Now, by, by the way, to your point the other day, the, the redraft, well, everybody that didn't take Sauce Gardner can go back and say he should have been one because he was the best rookie. But anybody can say that, right? I mean, any team. Where did he go? Fourth? Fourth. Yeah, I mean, any any team can say that. But but <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I'm not talking about – Wish we didn't take Trayvon Walker because you could have taken player X. I'm not talking about that. Oh. I'm talking about wish they didn't take Trayvon Walker because he's not good. I don't think that's happening. Also, keep in mind with Trayvon Walker, we're talking about somebody who just turned 22 great, on December 18th. That's a great point. That's I mean, he, really he literally will be playing his year 22 season this coming season. Which is why, by the way, men grow, which is why I yeah. think he's going to play in the 290 range, not the 274 range. 
I mean, he's not even close to being maxed right. out right. athletically. So And physically. Yeah, and, and he's still raw as a football player. I mean, it's not like he did the same exact thing at Georgia uh, for three years. You know, he was a, he was a player that d- didn't have uh, really – didn't really have a, a ton of reps, certainly not doing what he's doing for the Jaguars. I, I, I think it would, I think I'm not saying you guys are doing this, but I, I think that the, from a national perspective, anybody that is, is viewing Trayvon Walker's rookie season as a uh, harbinger of, he's going to not be a very good NFL player. I think they're, they're making a mistake. I, again, I think he's wired perfectly and we've been around you know, defensive, young defensive ends here that weren't, and you knew it, and you knew that, yeah. you know, in the off season, off season it was more, is there going to be a, a bad story more than are they working to refine their pass rushing skills? With Trayvon Walker, I, I think, honestly, he's working. The story he or Kirby Smart told you at SEC Media Day last year, that's who he is. And for people that missed that story, he said it was the day before the draft, Kirby's in his office the day before the draft, and he's out there working. He's out there on the field the day before the draft when you pretty much knew where he was going. That's a great That's a great story he told. And if you only look at stats, then you might think Trayvon Walker's season was disappointing. But if you watched, like to your point, Hayes, you watched him hustle on some of the run plays. There were times, and there were times he was in coverage, which is really crazy, but the times that he was you know, able to get to the running back, that speed does not usually exist in someone that's built like him. That's a great point. You, even without the stats, you could see the traits, not just on a chart, but when he played. That's a good point. You know, some traits are great if they're if you're at the combine and you see them on a chart or on a graphic. They're better when you see them in action. That's kind of your point. You could see that speed in action when he was running down guys at, at 280 pounds. That's a really good point. Yeah, I will say this, and obviously it became a funny shtick for us in the spring – but I will say seeing Trayvon Walker in a drill with one hand that is basically 10 inches off the ground and the other hand that is basically nine feet in the air, right. the space that he occupies is it's unlike anything that I've ever seen. Uh, and again, I, and then you factor in the work ethic and the drive. And yeah, I, I think it's... I think Trayvon Walker is going to be somewhat of a forgotten storyline this offseason. But if you're looking, you know, and these are conversations we'll have as obviously we get closer to the season. But, you know, we are at a point now where we can have the conversation of what's it going to take for the Jaguars to win the Super Bowl? What's something realistic that could happen in 2023 that would lead to that? Well, Trayvon Walker going from three and a half sacks to, say, 13 and a half would be one of those things. If you get plus 10 sacks, from Trayvon Walker, and you have a healthy Trevor Lawrence, because that's exactly what they're missing. If, if they have a, a edge rusher that can give that kind of consistent pressure, I, that's the missing piece, and this team being right there with any of the other ones that uh, believe that they're championship material. Who would you rather have, Will Anderson rushing the passer or Trayvon Walker? Will Trayvon Anderson. Walker. Will Anderson. Okay. But I think uh, – I mean, I think Will Anderson, but I think Will Anderson's going to be Lawrence Taylor. I mean, I, I, and that's, and that's no knock on Trayvon. You'd rather have Trayvon? Yeah, yeah. I, but I think Will Anderson. Well, how about you? Will Anderson. Yeah, I, I think Will, but I think Will Anderson's. In fairness, I think Will Anderson's going to be Lawrence Taylor. I think Lawrence. I, he's going to be Von Miller. I think he's 
I think he's just ridiculously good. And we'll see. We'll see. You know, it takes a while. But I, I I think he's one of those rare guys that comes along that you just don't see him very often. I just don't think uh, – and, and, you know, I mean, I mean, we thought – is it Chase Young? What's the guy? The Washington guy? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's been hurt. We thought he'd be that, time. and he hasn't been. So, But I, but I think but, – but still, that doesn't change the opinion on, on Trayvon. I will take a break. We come back. I'm going to tell a story about one of the most important recruits in University of Florida football history. That's next. Stay with us. Greg Franzi, Lauren Brooks, Andrew Gibson, Hayes Carline with you on this Nimnik Tuesday. We've got Lauren until the top of the hour. Then she uh, uh, gets set to host Helmets and Heels. That begins at 6 o'clock. Okay, we'll have her till 5 o'clock. So Hicken and I are doing the podcast today. And he made a really good point that the incredible significance of DJ Lagway, because, number one, if you've seen the recent videos of him, he really looks the part. He's big and thick. He's not like Rashada, who's a skinny guy. He looks like he's going to be all that. But his point was that, A, get him, and then all the guys that are coming with him, which brought me to this. Can you make the point that Chris Leak, far from one of the 10 greatest players in Florida history, even though he does have a title, and he's the lead, for the longest time was a leading passer in school history, he might still be for all I know. He might still be. Yeah. But can you make the point that he might have been the most important recruit they ever signed. Now, before that sounds crazy, when you say, Frank, they signed Werfel and, and, and Emmett, and I get it, Tebow, but indulge me for a second. They were reeling a little bit. They were, Spurrier le- after Spurrier left, the first Zook year wasn't very good, and people didn't want Zook there. But I can still remember when, they, I think Iowa blew him out or Michigan blew him out. Somebody beat him in the Citrus Bowl or Outback Bowl, one of those bowls. And I talked to Zook the next day. I said, you're all right? He said, yeah, it was a hard one. He said, but it's about to get better in about an hour. And I said, oh, yeah? He said, yeah. Pay attention. And, and Leak committed. When Chris Leak committed, the players who pretty much will tell you that got them coming. You ready for the list? That year, Chad Jackson, Andre Caldwell, Earl Everett, Marcus Thomas, Joe Cohen, Reggie Nelson, D. Webb, Jarvis Moss, Eric Wilbur. The next year, Derek Harvey, Cornelius Ingram, Trout, Wine, and Tart. Those guys kind of came because Chris Leak came. The result was a national championship. The fact that they were rolling to that national championship or, or were on their way to, to that helped them get Tim Tebow. The fact that they were getting all those guys got Tebow in there, what, two years later. Tebow was leaning toward him. He also was seriously considering Alabama. Tebow told me point blank, and I had lunch with he and his dad Five days after he committed or signed, whatever, he signed early. He told me, I've told you guys this story before, sitting at Chili's in Mandarin, just me, him, and, and Bob Tebow. He said, Mr. Franchi, I was not sure when I walked up there. So something put him over the top. So can you make the argument that Chris Leak, if not the most important, I mean, it led to two national championships. They've only got three. It was one of the most important signees in school history. Without a doubt, he committed on January 5th of uh, right. 2003, uh, which at the time was incredibly early right. in the cycle. That's right. Uh, he was committing 13 months before he would sign, and uh, he did it in a very high-profile arena. He did it at uh, the U.S. Army All-American Bowl at halftime, um, and uh, so you, you then have the spotlight of that. And his quote that day, part of it, 
I am asking all the top recruits to come and join me and win a national championship. And that's what happened. How about that? Uh, that that's, the, that's the thesis statement. That's the money line. I'm asking all the top recruits to come join me and win a national title. They did, and they did. I mean, th- and, and, it, and, and kept it going. It and the- Zook was his recruiter, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, Zook recruited all those guys. Again, Chad Jackson and Bubba Caldwell were the two receivers. Marcus Thomas, Joe Cohen, uh, Jarvis Moss uh, com- combined to make one of the best defensive lines in school history. Earl Everett. Earl, Earl Everett was one of the fastest linebackers they ever had. D. Webb from here in Jacksonville. I mean, they, that, that team was unbelievable. And, but the point is, this point isn't about Zucker, who the coach was. The point is, when Chris Leak agreed to come, when Chris Leak said he was coming, he was the Pied Piper. And who knows what Florida football ever would have been if he didn't come. Uh, Ur- Urban probably still takes the job, but he doesn't have all those cats. You know, and, Urban walked, and that Urban was walked a big reason guys. why he yes. took the Florida Because yeah, Notre Dame wanted him. Oh yeah, but he knew he knew what the roster looked like at Florida. Correct. Yeah, I mean, there's no, there's no. He he had his choice of those two jobs, and so, so I guess that's the point. Don't underestimate what these Pied Pipers can be. I guess that's kind of where I'm going with that. Yeah, no pressure, DJ Lagway. Yeah, yeah. On, on getting other guys to join you because I would say that the roster that Chris Leak joined was much better than the roster that DJ Lagway will join. Mm, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, yeah, I would say well, Chris. The the roster the roster that that Ron Zook inherited, your receivers were Carlos Perez and Kelvin Kite, and OJ Small. It wasn't a great one. It, it was a drop off. Dane Guthrie. Yeah, yeah it, it was that that one team was loaded. The O two team should have been a little better because they had Rex, but they didn't. They didn't have Taylor Jacobs. They didn't have much else on that team. So similar. And, and the would, last couple of Spurrier classes sort of declined. They did because obviously he was getting close to knowing. And people knew I'm leaving. Yeah, and the uh, and but that O one team was so good, but they were all gone. They all came right. out. But that they were all veterans. Yeah, yeah. That were brought in when gosh. Spurrier was still really yeah. dialed in on staying at Florida. I can still remember a conversation. That Rex was asked in a in a news conference in O two, hey, do you still wish you had Coach Spurrier calling the plays? He goes, I wish I still had Rishay and Jabbar. You remember that? <laughs> that that was his answer. Right. His answer was, I wish I still had Rishay and Jabbar. That was yeah. his answer. It wasn't about play calling. Right. It was about I'm now throwing to Kelvin Kite and Carlos Perez. Yeah. Uh, that I, I remember that like it was yeah. yesterday. Yeah. There was definitely uh now the 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 first couple of other than Rex Grossman who was a star. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of talent on the uh, first couple of Zook teams, which is why it was so imperative for him to right. recruit at the level that he did. And uh, yeah, so I, I, you know, I, I think if DJ Lag, the, the problem also in this, you know, not problem, but the the different eras is when when a when a player committed 13 months before signing day, they stuck with it. We didn't have a lot of decommitments then. Now. You know, from reading stories about DJ Lagway, he seems incredibly committed right. to the University of Florida and and understands, you know, that that all of it has a very good understanding of the where the program is now, where the program uh, hopefully is headed. Uh, so I'm not suggesting that he's not going to sign with Florida, right. but in this day and age, he's got ten months to change his mind. Who knows? Right. What happens in ten months? But if if he signs and uh and and he becomes a Gator, uh he is he's got the potential to have that 
Chris Leak impact because he, you got to give it to the kid. I mean, he is recruiting for Florida like a, I mean, like he's a coach. I mean, it, it really is impressive seeing the effort Lagway has put in to trying to, you know, bring in other people. And, and again, Chris Leak, it wasn't, let me just go recruit receivers. I mean, Chris Leak was on the phone to all those defensive guys right. too. All of them. Yeah. I mean, that, that was, that's what he did. Chris Leak picked up the phone and started calling all of them. And, 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 and almost from what I was told, because Chris is Chris, a smart guy. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a commanding kind of presence. He's a soft-spoken guy, but, but, but pushy in a soft-spoken way. Almost harassed him. You, you got you to get Bubba Caldwell to tell you the story. It's, it's almost like, if I come, will you quit calling me? You know? <laughs> I mean, he, he, it was, it was, they, he, was, he was that. He really became a recruiter for the team. It seems easier to do nowadays with social media. Sure it is. Sure it is. Now, now there's more people doing it, but I, no, it is. It certainly is. So it, anyway, it got me when when Hicken brought it up on the podcast today. The importance of them getting Lagway, it got me thinking about what if Chris Leak doesn't come? What do any of these guys go? You know, do any of them come? And so I mean, no. he, he, it was really an important, important. And again, because again, Florida was wounded, it's much like now. Yeah, Florida at the time was a wounded program. Right and needed that kind of player. Right, they did, and and he was the perfect player at that time. And you hope Lagway will do the same thing. In fact, the whole people underestimate how beautifully the Leak Tebow thing worked. You know, the, all the conversation was, well, they got Tebow, the this, this gigantic recruit that everybody loves, but Chris Leak's still there. How are they going to do it? And give Urban credit. I mean, they did it. They they did a masterful job of having both guys really impact their teams. Masterful. Does FSU have a Pied Piper? Well, I, I don't. If this year's team, I don't. I don't know if there's a recruit this year, and I don't follow. I mean, them. in gen, like in the history of the program. Great question, Lauren. They had so many. They had so many. I don't know if one player did it. I'll say this: Bobby Bowden built what I thought was the best recruiting machine I've ever seen. It started with Brad Scott, the father of Jeff Scott, who just got fired at, at South Carolina. I, I mean, in South Florida, Brad Scott was the great recruiter. And then everybody else was measured. Chuck Amato, uh, Randy Sexton. Remember that staff? Jim Gladden. It was an unbelievable staff. And they were the best recruiters in the country. So when you have, instead of one Ron Zook and one other guy, when you have about seven of them that are the, Brad Scott was as good a recruiter as a assistant coach as there's, there's ever been and about four or five others. So I think it was just an incredible. And, and what happened, it became, whether you're Sammy Smith or Dion or remember Renard Wilson or Peter Boulware, uh, Marvin Jones or Derek Brooks, it became the thing to do. They were leaving Miami to go to Florida. Remember that? They were leaving Miami to go to Florida State. That was, Back then, Miami was getting a lot of guys. So it's a great question. I don't know if I remember one player doing it as much. Is It was just the thing to do. And you In, the set, in, in those 80s and 90s, the thing to do was go play for Florida State. Yeah, I was going to say, because you would associate that with a quarterback. Charlie Ward, I don't remember being a dynamic recruit. He wasn't. He wasn't. I. Uh, Winky was obviously much older than the typical freshman, so I don't think he really would have had that effect because he'd played baseball. Um, I don't remember Jameis having that, but maybe Jameis. That was an unbelievable yeah. class. Right. But I don't remember when in the process. You can't be one of the last guys in the class. That's, that's, the, that's the Tebow thing. Right. Tebow joined the class too late to be – the Pied Piper of that class. Uh, and Jameis, I, I want to say, was committed for a while. So maybe Jameis Winston. Because that, I mean, that class was 
incredible. He committed August third, two thousand eleven. That's pretty early. Yeah. Yeah. By so, the by the way, and, I and think, he was a five star. He was he certainly had the mm-hmm. uh, yeah. legitimacy as a prospect. And I think I got the and I think I got the class right. If I'm off a year, I apologize. But I think the Zook Gators were an to your question about FSU were an eyelash from Ernie Sims and Antonio Cromartie. Yes, they were both coming, and at the la- and I think that was the leak. Caldwell Jackson class, it had to be right around then. Yeah, it would have been. And and, and they were coming. Uh, they were, they told the Florida coaches they were coming, and and Bobby Bowden, great recruiter that he is, number one got got Ernie Sims's number thirty four. It had been retired. You know that Ron Sellers mm-hmm. was this great player from Jacksonville, and they called Ron Sellers. Hey, listen, we're about to lose this guy. Can he have your number? What's Ron Sellers supposed to say? Right. No. So he said. So he gave him the number, and I think they got one of their brothers. Who had been in jail? To call. It, was, it was. I mean, it was great recruiting at the end. Or Florida would have had those two guys too. Can you imagine that that team with those two guys? Wow. Yeah, and it was. And it was really. I want to say it was 03. Because Sims, I think, was the number one overall player in the country. Yeah, and he was almost. He was. He was an eyelash, and, and Florida State flipped him back to FSU. I want to say the day before signing day. Yeah, I can remember that. I remember that when it happened. So interesting stuff. All right, well, thank you, Ray. When we come back, stay on college football. I want to get to Carson Beck. We'll talk a little bit about Carson Beck from Mandarin High. Um, and what expectations there should be for him. Stay with us. Frank Fangie, Hayes Carline, Andrew Gibson. I'm Lauren Brooks. Thanks for hanging out with us on this Nimnik Tuesday. We just talked a little Florida football, a little Florida State football. Now time to talk a little Georgia football. There is a new offensive coordinator in Athens, Frank. Mike Bobo takes the reins over from Todd Munkin. If Todd Munkin had stayed, you believe Carson Beck was the absolute starter, but what now? Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question that, that – that, He's been. I mean, Todd is waiting to play Carson Beck. I, I can, I can tell you, they knew each other from their time here in Jacksonville. I can tell you, Todd's got a kid that's about Carson's age, and I want to say they either played together in youth sports. I'm pretty sure about that. I, I'm, I'm pretty because I can tell you that Todd's kid played with my friend Tom's son Tanner Bauman, mm-hmm. and Tanner played with Carson on a bunch of teams. So I'm, 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 I'm connecting the dots here a little. But I know Todd and Carson know each other, and yes, I believe he was he was he was waiting to play Carson. I'll let me say this too about Carson Beck. In an age where everybody transfers when they don't play, that son of a gun waited his turn. I mean, as good as he is, as talented as he is, I mean, he's a unicorn, Hayes. If you think about it, the way everybody's leaving, everybody, I, I'm not playing. You know, if I'm not starting, I'm departing. Isn't that the word now? And this guy waited. Now, he, and he waited. I mean, he could have left two years ago. He could have left last year. And now it's his turn. But he's also going to a place where there's two five-star guys, Gunnar Stockton and and Vandergriff, waiting to play. Um, they're different. He's a drop-back passer. Um, I think he's the best passer in the group. I think the other two guys are a little more athletic than him. I don't know what Mike Bobo wants to do. But um, I think it would be a shame, honestly, if he didn't get a chance to play. I would think, though, that Mike Bobo is an in-house answer, takes over, knowing full well Carson Beck is the quarterback, I would think. I mean, if you're Mike Bobo, I wouldn't – I'd basically use Todd Munkin's playbook. I mean, why would you change anything? I mean, it's – it's running about as smooth as it can run. I, I would imagine 
the conversation Kirby Smart had with Mike Bobo is, hey, I really like the direction that Todd had us going in, and and I hope you can keep steering us in that direction. I you know, so I would, I'd be stunned if the coordinator change affects Carson Beck. Um, I mean, you, you'd rather not have it, obviously. You'd rather not have any uh, variable entering into the, the picture. But, I mean, I would think Kirby Smart is pretty much said to Mike Bobo, Carson Beck is your quarterback. If, you know, we're to believe the, you know, the, that he was, he was clearly the backup this past season. I, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Obviously, he's got to have a good spring, and I mean, he's got to go and win it. But I would think if Carson Beck does what he's supposed to do, the job's his. Yeah, I would think that he certainly knows the offense well, and he's been groomed to be the starter because he was, like you said, the backup quarterback. He was the only one who got any mop up duty action last season. But I think the question, Frank, becomes if they believe Brock Vandergrift, and I know more about him than I know Gunner, about Gunnar Stockton, but if they believe Brock Vandergrift is more of a Stetson Bennett mobile guy because Stetson certainly had at times that he used his legs and did that very well if Brock does that better than Carson is that the natural solution well that's the question right the question is if Mike Bobo wants to run more RPO and again the story I read and I wish I remember who wrote it but the story I read essentially said I think it used the word mitigated Todd Bobo coming in mitigated the difference that or the gap that, that Carson Beck had over Stockton and Vandergrift. And if it was it was widely believed that Munkin was ready to play Beck as his quarterback. And now that Bobo comes in, or the, or the, do they all three start on even footing? I think that was what the that was the peg of the story. That they all three start on even footing now. And I think that just to and I may and it may not play out that way, but the, Lord, you pulled it up, right? Uh, I'm not sure if this is it. Well, yeah, look at the, look at the headline. Read the headline. Carson Beck, Brock Vandergriff, and Gunnar Stockton. Uh, Mike, Mike Bobo higher mitigates the gap. That's the story I read. Yeah. Who wrote okay. that? Mike Griffith. Yeah, the story said that Mike Bobo his hiring mitigates the gap, and I, that was the story I read. So the implication in that story is that they're even, right? And, I mean, that's that's that just seems if if the, and again, it's just a writer writing a story. He may be wrong, but that seems unfair to me. I guess that's the point. Yeah, it's interesting looking at the athletic who did a, a SEC kind of spring practice preview. Their main question for Georgia, and this is uh, Seth Emerson, is anyone going to challenge Carson Beck for the starting job? And I mean, this isn't very in depth, but it certainly makes it sound like he's the leader in the clubhouse. I mean, it, I I don't get why it would mitigate it. Since Bobo is coming from within the staff, was he on the staff? I didn't even know. That I thought he was. He was back he was in the day. A, uh, he was. He was at Auburn a year ago, wasn't he? Did he come? Oh, I thought he was already there. He was at all. He was there once upon a time, but I think most recently he recent, was an offensive analyst last season. Oh, he was. Okay, you're right. Then he, then he was at Georgia. My bad. So you're 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 correct. So yeah, who? You know what? Then maybe you're right about that. Here's the other part of that conversation, though. Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandergriff were. Big time recruits. Yeah, they may leave. Will one of them leave if they if they don't win the job? I, I mean, logic would say that they would, other than the fact that nobody leaves Georgia. They just wait, right? You know. But I mean, I mean that. I, I guess my point is, part of it is I've waited to watch Carson Beck. 
and I'm intrigued with what he will be. And it finally looks like now the uh, the resistance is out of the way. Then it feel I mean, it feels like now he's going to go play, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and, I mean, the, the resistance is Unless out. Unless the, the entire system changes. Yeah, yeah, and and I and look, here, in terms of systems, they all kind of do a lot of the same stuff anyway. That doesn't mean all exactly the same stuff. And your point was right, Hayes. If Bobo was on staff anyway, why would you change much? You may, I mean, why? I mean, everybody puts their their twist on it. I get that, but you wouldn't change very much. I just, it's it's going to be very interesting to me to see how they how they manage this whole Carson Beck, Gunnar Stockton, Brock Vandergrift thing. Three incredibly highly recruited guys, all of whom, by all accounts, seem to be really talented dudes. How do you, how do you do it? It's going to be a challenge. Does someone because, leave after spring? Even? I mean, I, I, I can't name off, you know, a litany of programs, yeah. but I, I'll just name you one. Wouldn't any of the three of them probably start for the Gators? Well, you certainly would think they would be in the mix, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, I don't know enough. Of, I've never seen them play enough, the other two, to know if they'd start for somebody. But you would certainly think the minute Vandergriff or Stockton got to Florida or somewhere without an established starter – they're right in the mix. And if they're as good as advertised, yes. You know, so, but I mean, it's kind of like USC. USC Auto, they all left. Keaton Slovis left and some um, Jackson Dart left. Remember, they all went to USC. They're all four and five-star guys. And when they didn't win the job, they, they, they took off. In Georgia, they didn't. I mean, it's pretty amazing. The way quarterbacks bounce around in college is crazy anyway. I mean, like, I mean, it's crazy, crazy. I hope for Carson Beck's sake, because he's from here and we know his family, that his story ends up like Kyle Trask's once did. Yeah. That he bucked the trend of leaving and it ends up that he has a phenomenal season. And he certainly, as far as the Kyle Pitts tight end that Trask got to throw to, certainly uh, he's Carson Beck has that with uh, Brock Bowers. That, that's, a great, that's a great comparison. They don't compare as recruits. Right. Because Beck is somebody everybody wanted Correct. and Trask is somebody nobody knew. But once they got there, right, once you're there for years, once they got there, there's a good comparison. They 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 waited their turn to play, and I just uh, I don't. It, it was just, I think it speaks higher of Carson. Yeah, Trask sort of was signed and right. thrilled just to be Correct. along for the ride. Yeah. Whereas Carson Beck, there's a lot of programs he could yeah. have already been playing. Sure. Yeah, and, he, and the truth of the matter is he waited his turn. But I think if I'm in fairness now, trying to be as objective as I can here, if I'm in the Brock Vandergrift or or Connor Stockton camp, and and I've watched him grow up, and I've watched him. He, he came from my city. I'd be saying, I got waited their turn too now. Okay, just because he got there a year earlier, you know, doesn't mean my guy didn't wait. My guy, Brock Vandergrift didn't go there to wait four years. Nor did Connor, Connor Gunner Stockton. Nor did Gunner Stockton. Nor did Carson Beck. That's what makes God bless when you recruit well, you know. <laughs> and, and quarterbacks, the one spot we only play one guy. Everywhere, almost everywhere else. You can play a multitude of guys, right? Offensive line, not quite as much, but just about any other position. If you have two, there's no pro, there's no concern about having too many good ones. We'll get you in. Yeah, right, yeah. right. But quarterbacks are one spot. The spring game is April fifteenth. How do you think Kirby Smart and Mike Bobo handle it? Yeah, yeah, great question. Do they all get a quarter? Do they all? I hear you. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know enough about how he would go about that. My guess would be Carson Beck will be on the red team. And Stockton and Vandergriff will both be on the black team. And Carson will get most of the first half on the red team. And Stockton and Vandergriff will split time on the black team. That's a guess, right? It wouldn't, I mean, usually when teams have a bunch of quarterbacks, 
the established starter and the fourth team guy are together, and the two guys battling for the backup spot are together. Typically, that's what you would do. So I would think that's what they'll do. Yeah, I would think so too. And don't let a spring game fool you as to it being the be-all, end-all. Certainly, we thought Anthony Richardson was this brilliant passer after we went to Gainesville last year. A high percentage passer. High percentage. We, passer. I mean, he 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 looked like he was going to be a high percentage passer. So all right, we'll see what happens. Hey, what's uh, coming up? Are you guys bringing the heat or no? Turn on Hamilton. Have you decided? Uh, I have not yet decided. I'm going to use the next hour to decide. <laughs> good answer. I'll get back to you on that. Are we? Uh, are we? Uh, do you guys? How are you guys looking on the beam? Good. Uh, well. Florida lost in gymnastics. Florida did well on the beam, I read, though. Yes, Florida did well on the beam, but that's... So that's a moral victory. Not yeah. really, no. Not at all. And, and there I are do, no moral victories when you're being judged. I, I do have this question for you. Um, I don't pretend, pretend to understand gymnastics, but I read, because I'm a very voracious reader of stuff that's important to you. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't that nice of me? Wasn't that a nice That's very nice. Um that Florida had their highest score of the season and still didn't win. Second highest score of the season, yeah. Okay, but so, LSU had its highest score of the season. And yeah. so, yeah, because Florida had gotten to an, a 198 earlier this year, which if you're in the one high 197, that's really good. You get to 198, that's incredible. So Florida already had that once this season. They were in a 197 against LSU. It was just, it was LSU's night, and I Florida was off a little bit. But I also think, because you know me, uh, conspiracy theorist, I think the judges were there to make sure they LSU cheated. won. They I don't think they cheated, but yeah, I – like they cheated. The scores were, I think, a little bit more lenient for the Tigers. Dumb question. Do you get gymnastics? Do you get to host regionals and super regionals if you're good, like in baseball? Mm-hmm. Okay, so so Florida – Well, actually, the SEC rotate, but uh, the beginning – before SEC, it can rotate. I mean, you can host. How about after SEC, like in the NCAA tournament? That's what I meant. After SEC moves around to different cities, then after that, then you can host. Okay, yes. that, my question is, in baseball, if you're one of the best eight baseball teams in the country, you never leave your stadium until you go to Omaha. So I didn't know if gymnastics were. I don't know. I didn't know if gymnastics worked like that. I thought maybe. So they're not already set. The gymnastics sites are not set yet. Right. NCAAs are set and SECs are set. Okay, but the regionals are not. Correct. Got it. Very good. Okay, thank you. All right, enjoy your hour off. Thank you. Hamilton Hills comes up in a bit. One hour to go on this program on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's 5 o'clock somewhere. Here, that means it's time for more football. Football. Football at 5. 5 o'clock somewhere. On the Frangie Show. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. Welcome back to the program. We've got an hour to go. Frank Frangie Hayes Carline. JJ LaSelva in is uh give you goes to call the game. What's up, JJ? How are you guys? How are you, buddy? You all right? I'm good. Everything good? Gibby oh, escaped again. Yeah, was that? He did. He got right out of here. He just jumped yeah. right out. No, he's uh he's 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 Done a nice job of avoiding wearing the hat. Yeah, he, he we did we forgot to put the hat on him again today, didn't yeah. he? Yeah, give me a second. I'm it's not crafty. telling y'all. You're, yeah. you're gonna have to tell me. Um, uh, JJ, how good is the Miami baseball team, or do you care? I don't know, and I don't care. You don't care. So, so you're a Kane fan, but not the baseball. Ranked. But not the baseball. But you don't care about the baseball. Not until it gets down to like the regionals. Okay, what no. about the gymnastics team? <laughs> I heard that they got hosed on some calls against LSU. Yeah, so you, so you know the word, the words out there then. Yes, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I, got I, I actually did see that the Canes had a walk off 
two run home run on Sunday. Yeah, but besides that, I don't really know. Too they much. did pretty good. They did pretty. Good. We'll find out. They're Florida. good in uh, basketball. Florida, you're very good at basketball. Do you care about basketball or no? Don't. You don't. <laughs> I care about Mario getting us ten wins, Frank. I, that's really all you got. So yes. I mean, basketball. How many like years really does he need to get to the ten? <laughs> Hopefully, it's not more than a few. Yeah, yeah. But no, I think there's a good chance for y'all to have get to ten wins. For the second time since since 2002, I mean, there's a great chance of that, right? It would you know it'd be two if you get it if it happens again. If what happens again? Miami's had one 10 win season since 02. Did you know that? I knew it was something bad like yeah, that. It was but... one. It was one. But it's, but it's only been. I didn't realize years. you guys have been winning so much recently. <laughs> You're, I, I'm gonna. My answer is gonna be hacker. What's that got to do with Miami? <laughs> okay, that's my hacker answer. Um, I got one for you, Hayes. <laughs> if I, if I, what's that got to, right? Wasn't that a good answer? What's that got to do with um, What did the, uh, I got a list of the six biggest spenders in recruiting last year. Could you okay. name them? Would you think you could get them? This six. Is the six. This is the six college football teams that spent the most in recruiting last season. Okay. okay. And, and number one, by the way, spent way more than the rest of so them. So number one is Georgia. Georgia spent $4.5 on the recruiting budget last year. They're number one. Okay. Give me two, three. Which really is amazing considering how close they are to so many players. Well, think about this. They spent $4.5 million. The next highest is under three. Wow. The next highest is two point two teams are tied at 2.98. So that's how much more they spend on recruiting than anybody else. So give me two and three. I'll go because of how far they have to go to get the elite players. Okay. I'll go Ohio State, and, okay. I'll, and then I'll go Texas. Okay. Um, Texas is fourth. Okay. At two point four, so you've got one and four. Wow, Ohio State not in there, huh? Uh, not in the top four. That's interesting. I'm, I got, I'm looking at the top six here. Okay. Okay. Um, Georgia's one. Uh, Alabama's got to be. Spending. They're fifth. Really? Okay. So Georgia one, Texas four, Alabama five. I'll go ahead and give you Michigan a six, and Ohio State's not in the six. I bet there's another one in Texas. Ah, A and M. Listen, look at you, look at JJ, look at JJ. Okay, Uh, out of Ocala Forest is what that is. But well done. Uh, Two point nine eight, and who they tied with JJ? Uh, U.S. Now. So here's what you got: you got Georgia one, Texas A and M tied with somebody for two, Texas four, Bama five, Michigan six. What we're missing is who Texas A and M is tied with at three. It couldn't be Clemson. I'm going to give you both three guesses and tell you that neither one of you are going to hit it. Okay. Oregon. Three guesses. Give me three. Oh, give me three guesses. Uh, and I'm going to say you're going to miss all three. <laughs> I, you know, I thought I'm as confident in him, JJ. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say Oklahoma, Clemson, and I'm going to surprise you, Auburn. Okay. Oklahoma, hmm. Clemson, Auburn. That's his three. I need your three. Okay. Or- I'll go Oregon, yep. LSU, mm. and I'll say Florida. Maybe they okay. gave Billy Napier okay. like a bunch of recruiting money. Okay. As I predicted, yeah. Okay, you both missed all three. Okay, I would still be guessing if it makes you feel any better. Tennessee, wow. Tennessee, a lot spent, of McDonald's bags. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess Tennessee spent two point nine eight million in recruiting. Again, it's Georgia at four point five. A, assuming these numbers are right, playmaker college football. A and M and Tennessee both at two point nine eight. Texas at two point four. Alabama two point three two. Michigan two point two four. I would have guessed Ohio State had to be in there. I would have also guessed LSU, who's not in there. 
Now is that just like trips and coaches, like, coaches, and yeah, you know everything? Not counting obviously nil deals. Yeah, Correct. Yeah, yeah. It, that's right. It's a recruiting budget. It's the expenses. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, but how about that? Georgia lapping the field when again, it's not like Georgia. Right. It's not like the campus is in Anchorage, Alaska. Right. To your point about Oregon, Oregon's got to go get players. Georgia's got them there. Right. The I've always I've long said if you've heard my show I've said this for years. And Ohio State, to their credit, has defeated this theory by winning at least one title. But it's going to be very hard for teams that aren't close to the players to win. I think it's not a surprise that is it twelve is it twelve of the last sixteen titles or SEC, and in is is it twelve of the last sixteen? I want to say, I want to say twelve of the last sixteen are SEC, and of the four that weren't, I think two are Clemson, one's FSU. So I think Correct. it's so that's four that's fifteen of the sixteen are are in the southeast. That's right. Yeah. Fifteen of the sixteen. So Ohio State's got the only one that's not around here. At some point it's not a coincidence. It's where the players are. Without a doubt. And and there's no reason to think that that stat is going to even remotely change. Right. I mean, you know, again, Georgia could easily three peat. If they don't three peat, Alabama's probably the most likely, you know, national right. champion beyond uh, Georgia. So, uh, yeah, I, it's it's a Southern sport, and th- that absolutely isn't going to change. What Ohio State's done is is really impressive, going from Urban to Ryan Day, and really not missing a beat. I mean, he hasn't won a title, but they've been, uh, you know, one of the best programs. Uh, it's, uh, it, so it, it and it is amazing how well Ohio State continues to recruit Florida, right? Uh, beyond Urban Meyer, with Urban, it was somewhat you could understand it because he'd been such a big figure in this state. Right. But for Ryan Day to basically just show up and continue to get five-star after five-star after five-star from the state of Florida is just unbelievable. I got a question for you. Jump in here too, JJ. Who's the best college team coming back that also has a memorable core, a good quarterback, and he can't have USC? Oh, damn. He can't. I mean, that's the, cause that's the easy one. I mean, so, so, I mean, who's, Who's the best returning team without the obvious quarterback? Because a lot of quarterbacks came out this year. Who's the best team with a named quarterback? Is that FSU? It, it might be. I mean, I, I, mean, I wouldn't put North Carolina in What about LSU? Contention. Jaden Daniels is back. Good call. Maybe LSU. Yeah. That is a, that's a really Although good Florida call. State did beat them. Yeah, but they're, but they're similar. Um, but, I mean, Georgia's going to be ranked high, new quarterback. Michigan, is that guy back? J.J. Yeah, McCarthy. McCarthy. So maybe yeah. it's Michigan. Yeah. So Michigan. He's like a son to me. Yeah, <laughs> I know he is. Uh, Ohio State, new quarterback. Alabama, new quarterback. Penn State, is Sean Clifford back for his 11th year? I he might be. So. I mean, yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he was there. He was there handing off to Kajana Carter. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, Sean Clifford has been there. Hasn't he been there yeah. forever? Yeah. Um, but you're right about LSU, FSU, of course, USC, obviously. But it's going to be a new. It's going to be a new world. The world in college football, so it'll be interesting to see what winds up happening. The, if you uh, had to pick it today, who do you think wins the national championship? Georgia. I do too. JJ? I would say Alabama. Alabama. I, yeah. I mean, in my life, I've never seen a team win three in a row. Yeah. So. yeah well, it hasn't happened yeah. in any of our okay. lives, really. Right, I think right. the last time it happened was in like the 50s, yeah, right? Three, three straight would be a long time. Yeah, Alabama's been all around it. Right. Five out of seven or whatever they were. But as far as three in a row. I think you have to go back almost like 70 years. Yeah, my guess. And remember, 
we, we were talking about the Carson Beck thing earlier and about how Carson Beck uh, may not win the job even though it's his turn. Well, the reason he wouldn't win the job is there's two other five stars there. That, I mean, so and, – and by all accounts, all, all of them are really good players. So well, somebody tweeted us afterwards, I, th- I think we went to break, that Gunnar Stockton was recruited by Mike Bobo when he was the offensive coordinator at South Carolina. He decommitted from South Carolina when Bobo was fired or whatever and then committed to Georgia when Bobo landed on that staff. Well, that, that, that wouldn't bode well for Carson, you would think, right? If it's true. Yeah, it, it wouldn't necessarily. But again, it, it, it feels like Mike Bobo's not making that call. That's going to be a Kirby Smart decision. And so that's why I don't think that Carson Beck has much to worry about. As long as uh, he's in good with Kirby, he's fine. And he'll be the starting quarterback. So, uh, and, it, and it certainly seems like Kirby Smart appreciates Carson Beck. And so I, I would imagine that it's going to take something – you know, pretty spectacular for Carson Beck not to be the Georgia starter. You would think. Let's take a break. I'm going to get to some hoops when we come back. The NBA had its all-star weekend. Hayes has a thought about that. It's next after this on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. Welcome back to the program. Frank Frangie Hayes Carline with you. J.J. LaSelva along, filling in for Andrew Gibson. Lauren Brooks has got the uh, hour off as she gets set to host Helmets and Heels along with Taylor Dahl and Mia O'Brien. The NBA All-Star Weekend is behind us. My buddy Hayes Carline has a thought. All rise. Now, Hayes Carline's closing argument. Hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Presented by the personal injury law firm of Harrell & Harrell. Order. So we've uh, we've all taken our shots at the NBA All-Star Game in years past. I know I have, and certainly this year was, was no exception. The game got criticized roundly for its lack of defense. So... Uh, I'm not going to sit here and, and and criticize the lack of defense. You guys have probably heard that now for the last 36 or so hours. But I was curious about something. So I went and looked at a stat, and it's a stat that I want to share. In the NBA All-Star game, Team Giannis took 123 shots from the field. Right. One was blocked. <laughs> One blocked shot. Team LeBron took 132 Shots from the field. Two were blocked. Team Giannis stepped up defensively, is what you're telling me. So there were 255 shots from the field in the All-Star game, and there were three blocks. And that tells you all you need to know about defense in the NBA All-Star game. uh, JJ, are you an NBA guy? I should know this. I love the NBA. Who's your team? I don't have a team. You just love the I'm league. a LeBron. I have to defend LeBron till I die guy, yeah. unfortunately. I like LeBron. I mean, I know. like him as a player, hate him as a, a, a person. So it's almost like it, it's I, I. You're a I, mystery wrapped I, inside of a I have a, a very riddle. strange role, yeah. but yeah. someone needs to play it. Well, and, 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 you, and you're, are you the one that thinks LeBron's better than, than No, Michael? I just like to say that I think LeBron is the best player I've ever seen. Okay, okay that's good. good. Okay, good. And 
for some people, that's not good enough. Yeah, no, no, I'll, I can, I can, I, I can live with that. As long as you don't think he's better than Michael, I'm good with that. Because okay? you're, how I, I'm thirty, about to be thirty-three. So yeah, the first so you're, you're, NBA memory I have is yeah, like, I can live with that. Sitting yeah. at my sister's room watching like the Sun series, yeah. but like I, you know, I was right. like five or six. Yeah, yeah. I, I appro- the only reason I bring it up is I, I like to pick at scabs, and I appreciate how Matt Hayes attacks you on that. Always. So, so I just, I just wanted to be part of that. I felt just I before felt very, we very inclusive uh, before. Before we drop this, I must say, Matt Hayes very confident about the NBA talking about it now for someone who probably hasn't watched an NBA game in decades. Go ahead. <laughs> probably, you know what? And I concur. <laughs> you know what? I kind of want to jab both Hayes. It's kind of yeah. how I am. Um, well, but here's the bottom line to what you just said. We've gotten to the place where we are, and everybody plays to it. And why wouldn't they? Because it makes for ratings. This isn't a an NBA thing or even a basketball thing. It's a sports thing. I mean, the 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 baseball is trying. All baseball wants are home runs, strikeouts, and home runs. The home run derby is a big deal because that's 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 offense. Football. Look at football. I mean, it's very clear. Football. You ask. Listen to one of these old defensive guys. They say you can't touch the quarterback. You can't touch the receiver after a yard. You can't. It's more than that, but you know the point. You can't – anything's pass interference, no matter what you do, unless the Jaguars are playing, I suppose. Right. The, uh, I, I mean, I mean the, reality, the reality of all of it is everybody just wants scoring on offense and offense. People, people hate defense. And of all the things, other than block shots, people really hate basketball defense to watch it. Now, people like to watch block shots. And so, to your point, there weren't many block shots. But Nothing least, worse than watching a charge, Frank. Yeah, right, well, no, right. Nobody wants a charge. Nobody wants a guy to get in someone's face and, ha- and have an off-balance shot. It's ugly, right? Whereas the three-pointer is gorgeous. Uh, a well-defended jump shot that clangs off the rim is ugly, right? Mm-hmm. See, in football, at least, pick sixes are pretty. Sacks can be pretty. But other than a block shot, what defensive thing in basketball is ever pretty? Maybe like a breakaway steal. Maybe, but yeah, not. But, but, but then it lends itself it to, to offense. offense. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing. So people don't want to see the non-aesthetic, and that. And so, and, and base baseball's really kind of gotten that way. Used to be, people love great defensive plays. I mean, think about it, JJ. When's the last time you web saw gem. an assortment of web gems on on Sports Center? They not, canceled baseball tonight. Yeah, Can't I, even see web gems I mean, anymore. I mean, they it's don't a have. Disgrace. Yeah, they don't have it anymore. But I mean, if we are talking about like the most aesthetically pleasing. Defensive highlights. Baseball does have the best. Uh, I agree with that. Basketball definitely the worst. Basketball's got none. Football, some but in baseball. But even then, there's some in. Ba- but if you if you turn on Sports Center, you might see a diving catch or a guy thrown out of the plate. But you're going to see two of those, and you're going to see 18 home runs and 34 balls in yeah. the gap, right? Mm-hmm. And a bunch. Of, I mean, in, in a that's what you're going to see now. So people want offense. So I, I don't. We I, we've had this conversation about, uh, and I apologize, I'm taking us a little off course here. No. Um, but we we've, we've had this conversation with Greg Maddox uh, in terms of how would what kind of a chance would he get today in yeah. today's game? What about Ozzy Smith? What would he be today if he was 17? Yeah. Well, the the truth of the matter is, if he would have, that's a great question. He's the greatest shortstop. He's the greatest defensive shortstop of all time, and there's not a close second. Not Phil Rizzuto, not some of the old guys, not Hannes Wagner. There's not a close second. He's he's by by a wide margin the greatest defensive shortstop of all time. But to your point, if you had a player, one of your one of your eight regulars that that was going to hit six home runs, I doubt he'd even be in the lineup. That's a great point. Now, Ozzy was so good 
that he might trump that? Because you still have catchers that can't hit. Everybody's okay with defensive catchers. But I'm trying to think, are there any great shortstops that can't hit anymore? I can't think of any. If you look at the great shortstops of the game, they're all offensive guys, right? Yeah, there's not like Ray Ordonez. Yeah, right. There's no- I mean, there is middle infielders who are, you know, great fielders. But they're not stars. No. They're not definitely stars. Definitely not like Ozzie Smith was. I- and they will hit at least 10 home runs. Yeah. Usually. every. I mean, if, if you if you start, if you're a six or seven home run guy, you're, you, have, you have little chance of being a regular in today's Major League Baseball. And Hayes, you have no chance to be a star. So I'll even go a step further. I think, tell me if you agree with this, Hayes, JJ, you too. I think gold glove winners have to be good hitters. Now, that's not supposed to factor at all. Right. It's not supposed to even be a, a not even a remote factor, but I don't believe they're going to give a, they're not going to give a gold glove to someone who you don't know and you won't know them if they're not a good hitter. JJ, agree or disagree? I agree with that. I There is those, I, I'm sure there's those guys that are so good at fielding that I can't think of right now, specifically catchers, of course. Right. But like you said, you have to be some sort of a name, you know, and to be some sort of name, you have to nowadays have 25, 30 home runs and, you know, a Matt Olson type who you're great with the glove, but you're probably not going to win the award unless you're somehow known by everybody else. I can tell you this, and this is a Pirates thing, so indulge me because it's my <laughs> it's something that pisses me off. But and maybe you're teeing me up for this. But last year, the Key Brian Hayes, the Pirates third baseman, had had every defensive metric mm-hmm. they use now, um, defensive runs st- saved, fielding percentage, all, all the all the today's metrics. He was first. Scott Rowland won his 10th straight gold glove. Now, not Scott Rowland. Uh, Nolan Arenado, my bad. Scott Rowland just went in the uh, Hall of Fame. Nolan Arenado won his 10th straight gold glove. And Arenado's a great player. And, and, is, and is a great offensive player, a great defensive player. But he wasn't a better defender than Key Brian Hayes. But Key Brian Hayes hit 240 with seven home runs. And Nolan Arenado is hitting 30 home runs in, in the MVP conversation, and that's why he wins gold gloves. Yes. So that, that supports the theory. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. So let me uh, let me give you this stat. Ozzie Smith, in his career, had 9,396 at-bats. He hit 28 home runs. Is that right? Yeah. Is that, 28 home runs. Yeah. Yeah. And today? And nearly 9,400 at-bats. And I'm telling you, how many years did he play? He played from 78 to 96, okay, so, so 19 eight, years. Okay, so 19 seasons, he had 28 home runs. <laughs> hit 28 home a runs. A homer a year. Yeah, he had, he, had about, he had a couple home runs a year. All right. I can tell you, laugh if you will, I don't know that he would – He would. I don't think he would start today. Now, because he's Aussie, he would. But forget that he's Aussie. Forget this, this – um, But would they ever find out he's They would Aussie. never find out he was Aussie. He would never – in today's baseball, that is a really great question because in today's baseball, he would never be in a lineup. You can't play a guy that, that – today's baseball, you wouldn't play a guy with no power. What was his average? What did he hit for, by the way? 262. Okay, 262 with no power. J.J., he's not starting. And he probably play. didn't take any walks back then either. Yeah. Uh, just to compare, so Jeremy Pena in the American League won the uh, Golden Glove last year. Yeah. Great player. Young player. Hit twenty some homers. Right, right. Dansby Swanson won it in the National League, and uh, he might have even hit thirty. Right, I think he did. Yeah, yeah he. Uh, but uh, you know, like you said, these guys, you have to be somewhat of a power hitter nowadays. Yeah, and a great. And the balls are juice. So yeah. who knows? Ozzy could have had twenty home runs. Well, well, 
But by the way, that's the other side of it is because he'd be in the weight room. Yeah. He'd be in the weight room. <laughs> yeah. And, and so maybe he would have the good point. I, I yeah. say this about Jim Brown all the time. It does depend on the era that you were in and the demands on that position. People people say all the here's my argument about Jim Brown was the greatest running back of all time. Maybe the greatest football player of all time. Jim Brown was six two, two forty maybe, when every other running back was two oh five and he out, he also outran everybody. So he was six two, two forty or whatever he was and faster than the guys that were 200. And people say, well, he wouldn't be special today because there's a lot of 6'2", 240s that are really fast, Fred Taylor and others. I said, yeah, he would be because today he'd be 6'2", 270 and still faster than everybody. Right. You know what I mean? He would, he would, be, he would still be ridiculous. He would still be a cyborg. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd, he'd be still be a, a guy that – And he would have all the nutritional guys correct, yeah. and the you know, scientists that are working behind the scenes to get them back after every game, yeah. But it's a great point about the lack of care, people not caring about defense in baseball and basketball. The Ozzie Smith argument is a great one. I never thought about it till you brought it up. But, J.J., we had a show the other day, and Hayes is asking, what would Greg Maddox be today, a guy that can't throw 90? Now, look, today uh, – He'd still be – he'd still be well, in the league. He'd cause, still cause, be great. Because he'd throw 95. He, he, he wouldn't throw 99 or 100, but he, or he'd throw 94 today. But same thing. Because – now that you now that you have to throw ninety three ninety four to be good, he'd throw it. You know, he would. He still wouldn't be one of the hard throwers, but he would do that. But Ozzy, I don't know. That, well, this is why I think you're wrong about Ozzy not being in the league. Is we as you know maybe watchers and ESPN as broadcasters and stuff like that don't care about defense as much, but these clubs do. Like these clubs, all of their uh, you know stat cast stuff that they use behind the scenes is all about defensive placement. It's all about guys who are good at defense, not giving up runs. That's like a huge part of Major League Baseball that a lot of outsiders, like if you're just Joe Schmo and you're barely watching game, you probably don't realize. Like these guys are all set up in specific positions so that hits aren't happening. Obviously, we're going to see less of it with the shift this year, but defense is hugely important. In baseball nowadays, you know what though? But yes, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna agree with you and disagree with you. Yes, it's important, but they can find guys who are good at it that also hit the 15 home runs. JJ, that's the point. Yeah, I just it, think everybody hits can hit a home run. That's my point. Is so, but they're not putting like a slow guy in left field anymore because he's the slowest guy right. on the team. Like yeah. that doesn't happen. Yeah, but but that but my point is, defense matters. But I can find a really good defensive player who's going to hit me 20 home runs. Yes. Whereas in the back – and I don't know that Ozzie Smith ever would have done that. Now, again, Ozzie was such a great player. Maybe he would have figured it out. The one position where you can get away with it is still catcher. There's still guys that are better – that are not great offensive catchers. That, but if they're good enough defensively, you'll have a team. You'll, you you can play some. That doesn't mean you'll be the starter. That's also going away yeah, because it, you used to be able to be good at framing. Yeah. And that, not that, hit, and guess what? Now they're going to bring robot umps in, and it doesn't even matter. Yeah, if frame, framing won't matter. But look at the, the Braves. The Braves had a good catching situation, and they still went and got Sean Murphy because he can hit, right? I mean, I mean, he, he's he's a good hitter. So that that's what they did. All right, let's take a break. One segment to go. We'll wrap up the program after this. This 1010XL 92.5 FM hour is powered by Anajar and Levine Accident Attorneys. Call 1-800-747-3. That's 1-800-747-3733. It's a Nimnik Tuesday on the Frangie Show. Nimnik, your friends in the car business since 1941. Welcome back. Glad you're along for the ride. Frank Frangie along with Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks. 
will be uh, back to do helmets and heels along with Taylor and Mia. Um, Gibby's off to call JU and FSU. I do have a question uh, for you, uh, JJ LaSelva out of Ocala Vanguard. Do, um, whoa, whoa. Do, um, are you, so the Pac 12, because I asked, I ask, I ask my crew about this all the time, so I want to get your take. The, so the Pac 12 is possibly nearing a deal with Apple TV Plus. Have you seen this? I did. I just saw it. Um, do you do you have an opinion on the world of sports going streaming rather than Love it. cable? You like it better. Love it. Because, because uh, you've cut the cord and exactly, all that. Exactly. Yeah. Um just selfishly I love it because I don't have cable. Okay. Um and I I enjoy like the I have everything on my Apple TV and it's okay. just right there and I love it. So it fits you. How old are you? 32. But mm-hmm. I had cable up until like 3 years ago. Okay. So, so. but but I, I would think in your age range and even maybe a little older, thirty-five and under, maybe that everybody be very happy. What, what do you think, Hayes? I mean, would it if it all went streaming? Would you care, not care, like it, not like it? I don't care as long as it is the quality that I have come to expect yeah. from cable. Right, right. And too often on Amazon Prime this past season, it was up and down. I couldn't go back. I mean, mm-hmm. I'd hit the you know back button to want to go watch a play or something, right? And, and it wouldn't let me do it. It would glitch, and I I thought you know the picture was was fine, but that can't happen. It would make you like watch it from the beginning. Yeah, yeah and, it, and, it, it, it that can't happen. It's like you're the NFL. You guys have right. to figure and, this. And remember, out. by the way, the go back is relatively new too. By the way, right? I mean, but I now years, expect it. Right, no, I hear yeah. you. I hear you. But that, that's you know, ten years ago, you couldn't go back. Right. Yeah. You know, so so I mean yeah. that, that's that's. But I hear you. I hear you. So I I. So if it's perfected, yeah, I'm all for it. Which yeah. it is on most apps I use. I, like, which was shocking that Amazon sucked so bad at it because yeah. like there's apps that make way less money that have way less bigger products like the NFL on it that work mm-hmm. flawlessly for me. But assuming they get the technical part figured out, which my guess is they will. Uh, assuming they get the the technical part, and it's and it's the only thing different, I guess, would be. Again, I got to get to the world. I got to get. I got to adjust to the fact that I can't record it on my DVR. That's the JJ. That's the thing for me. Is and I guess you don't have to. But well, they're there. all on demand. Right. On it's the all, app. No, yeah. I, no, I get it. I get it. Everything's on demand, so I won't have to. But that's the adjustment at my age. I got to make. You know, mm-hmm. I've got everything on that DVR. I sit down in front of that DVR, and you again, you don't have to anymore because everything's on demand. But I still got to make that mental adjustment. You know what I mean? Oh, right. I understand. Yeah, because yeah, DVR was my life. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, the DVR is the greatest thing. In the, I mean, the wheel is second. The ours DVR is, first. The wheel is ours second. Is you know, full. What, you know yeah. what's great about uh, things being on demand is with sporting events on the DVR. You, you know, as a professional sports watcher, Frank, I'm sure you always do like at least 30 minutes after or an hour always. after you record. Yeah. Always. But I mean, mine just you know, some people get it. screwed like that, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I guess you're right. I guess if it was on demand, you don't, you never have to worry about mm-hmm. that. You're getting you're getting the start and finish when you go back to watch it. So, but I, I guess I, because I I am convinced now that at some point in my lifetime, that's where we'll be. I, I'm convinced at some point in my lifetime, everything will be there. Will be no more cords. I, I didn't believe that for the longest time. I now believe there'll be no more cords. I, I think at some point, everything you, you everything every entertainment. Um, vehicle you consume will be consumed in a streaming capacity it'll be like a la carte yeah like I, you buy yeah. the channels you want to watch basically youtube tv is almost like that already yeah. I, I agree but I, but i'm not even talking about how you will do it 
I'm just saying I think it's the only way you will be able to do it. I don't think I don't think you're going to have d- satellite dishes on someone's roof anymore. Oh, really? I I think that day's over. I, and now maybe I said let me rephrase yeah. that. I think that day's going to be over. I don't think it's over the next two three years. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, the NFL ticket, the NFL ticket's not going to be on. Is going to be streamed. Do mm-hmm. you have the ticket, JJ? You, you don't, you I don't, will. Yeah. Now that it's going to be on YouTube yeah. TV, but yeah. I don't. Ha- you had to have Direct TV, correct? And that was like one of the only things keeping Direct TV alive. And now I, it's and whoa, had, it's going to be rough. And I've had the ticket on Direct TV. I've watched baseball on Direct TV with the Major League package, even though I could have had MLB. Which I've had, which is the right. same. Which it, that really is the same. Um, and I DVR all the games, but I, uh, but I, I think you. So you don't think the day's ever coming where the satellites are coming off the roof? I do. Oh, I mean, maybe like 20 years from now, yeah, but yeah. I, I would think that this is the way I look at it. I'm 46 and I still don't love the fact right. that I'm probably headed towards a near future where I don't have cable because we still have cable, Yeah, but so we have, we, we have, have talked TV. for months about switching to YouTube and we just haven't yet. Why, 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 and, and why like you, I may go home tonight and we've switched. To why YouTube. have you considered doing it? And what would be stop you from because the, the cost the is apparently so much less. Is and that right? You, and you basically get the same amount of stuff. So um, that yeah. was the is YouTube TV the way you get because that that allows local stations. Yeah, right? like Gene's son John thinks like we're nuts for not right. having YouTube TV. Right, because like you, thinks we're nuts. Because YouTube now he's twenty four. And, and and you get JJ, you get the local stations on that. I'm not sure. I don't have YouTube TV. Okay, what do you have? Uh, I have a mix of uh, apps I pay for and then apps I steal with my father's cable information. Okay. So I still like need cable to watch ESPN at this point. That's okay, really the so last have, channel. So do you watch ESPN? Yeah, okay, but, yeah. I, but I have to put in his cable information. If, if So you watch it by streaming. You so just he's actually yes. watch using cable yeah. to no, watch ESPN, yes. right? I'm, I'm just putting in his... Password, but right. I'm watching on the apps. So, like, so. the second they make it so, hey, you could just buy ESPN, you know, per month, yeah, pay yeah. 25 bucks. I would gladly do that. Right. Yeah, I, uh, okay, interesting. So, so because I, so the, the reason I, so, but my point is, like, I'm 46 and I feel like I'm a little uncomfortable, like, completely moving right. away from it. Yeah. So, I would imagine that there will be. Like people. two generations from you. Yeah, basically. I would imagine that there will be a lot of people in my current demographic yeah. that will probably always want to have enough of them will want to have the cable that I wouldn't think it would go obsolete in the next 15, 20 years. But I mean, it might. Yeah, I, I can tell you my daughter's 30. She's never had cable. It'll definitely yeah. go up. JJ's generation, it'll absolutely yeah, go obsolete. Yeah. When JJ's generation, like in 20, 30 like, years. Think about how many people my age have a home phone. Right. Yeah. Well, Zero. I, I, I would think, now that's something that even, I mean, I think we still have one. We don't. But I can't remember the last time anybody talked on it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I can't. So I got to believe, JJ, I think that's even more. I think yeah, already if you, if you would have told yourself in like 1997, right? Hey, no one's gonna have a phone in their house anymore. That would have sounded weird. Yeah, I would have sounded really weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would have wondered if I was like living in a commune with <laughs> yeah. a bunch Can of we hippies. talk through our JJ, minds? JJ, you ever dial a phone? <laughs> oh yeah, you, dude. I had, I had you had to, a dial. I had to jump yeah. in front of the phone, home phone every night at five o'clock to answer the automated. 
your son didn't go to school today <laughs> message before my mom got to it. Oh, yeah. I was awesome. definitely from that generation. All right. All right. So, all right. Look, we're almost out of time here. Um, we've talked a lot about what's going to happen to this Evan Ingram thing. We all made fun. We, I said fun. we all had fun with the tweet earlier. I do get this kind of hunch that that's going to happen fast. I, mm-hmm. I I just think so. I think there's something to that tweet. I do too. When when Evan Ingram came out and said, "Man, I was getting excited. I thought it was going to be an announcement." That means he thinks an announcement's coming. Well, he's a key part of that. Right. You know, the announcement's not coming unless he agreed to it. Mm-hmm. So. I'll bet you that's coming sooner rather than Because they're going to want to do that right. They're going to want Evan here. Yes. Obviously, he's got to sign it. But it's more than that. They're going to want the social media of him signing the – I don't know that they'll do a press conference, but I wouldn't be shocked if they did a press conference. And they're certainly going to want Evan to do in-house media yeah. uh, with the Jaguars. So, yeah, it's a production. I don't think it's just, hey, I'm I'm in the you know tropics. Uh, yeah, let's just – I think he's going to have to – show up here. So yeah. I think when he saw it, he was like, am I supposed to be in Jacksonville right, tomorrow? Right. Or, you know, and so I, it's something it, like that. It feels like it was, uh, you know, wait, I thought, I thought we were doing this on Thursday, right, right. not, you know, Tuesday. What, what's going on here? So it'll be so. And and again, I, I said this earlier in the show, I'll say it again. That will infuse excitement into everybody, his teammates, um, coaches, players, fans, because it'll tell the fans, we're not waiting around. We're not waiting till uh, so many deals get done at the last minute, or they get delayed because of a tag. And and this this would say not only does the team want to do what's right, but they want to do it fastly and in, in a very or quickly and fast in a very proactive way. That that's the message. If you send the message that we want to do something quickly, we want to do it uh, efficiently, and we want to be proactive, that's a great message to your fans. Look, the fans love this team. The fans have gone from. Not liking this team for the longest time, frustrated with it, always liking it, but frustrated with it. They love this team now. I think they love everything about them. You're not hearing any negative stuff, are you? No, I I think that's perfectly stated, and I think it it would also it would show a deep mutual admiration between the player and the club, and that has not existed in enough quantities here uh, for for too long. So to get the deal done where they don't have to worry about the tag, it would show that. Evan Ingram was incredibly sincere when he was like, this is where I want to be. I don't need to see what the other 31 clubs are going to want to offer me. And, uh, and obviously it would show a deep appreciation for the impact Evan made from the club to go ahead and, and commit what I'm assuming is going to be a, a lucrative, you know, contract to him. Yeah. What will it be? Your guess. Three years, 33 million. Yeah. 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 With yeah. probably 16, 16 guaranteed. guaranteed. Yeah, probably right. Probably right. Yeah. And, I'm, and I love it. I love it. I thought in, in an era, I've said this many times, we all did during the season, in an era when dominant tight end play has become so important, Jacksonville finally has one. I mean, I mean, we haven't. When, 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 all, when Gronk and Kelsey and Goddard and – Kittle and all the emer- and, and even guys 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when Tony Gonzalez and when all those guys started, Gates started emerging, Heath Miller, Jacksonville's never had one. Now, Mercedes Lewis was a good player, good physical, complete player, but he wasn't that guy. He wasn't the guy that ran downfield and linebackers couldn't keep up with him. It wasn't that guy that torched you with those routes in the middle of the field the way, these, the way today's tight ends do. I've said that one of the greatest things going on in the NFL today is the, is the matchup problems caused by tight ends. 
because linebackers can't run with them and safeties aren't big enough. So I think it's starting to happen. So we'll see. It's exciting. Yeah, it is. Uh, let's say hello to Mia. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the rubber on the road with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Highway 9's here. What's up? How What's are going you? going on? How, How are, are you? Doing? you? How are you? Doing well. Can't complain. Can't complain. Turning out content. Yeah, like content's good. Content matters. Content is always important for us. So. The um, So we all figured that when we saw the Evan Ingram tweet, at least Hayes and I did, that something's up and something's going to happen. Is that your, is that your belief? Uh, that is my knowledge uh, and my belief. So, okay. um, so yeah, from what I can report, obviously, you know, and Evan talks about this on the Sirius XM interview that he did over the weekend or earlier this week, um, there is interest on both sides. They are hopefully working towards a deal. Um, he, I mean, in that interview, which was what was so surprising to me, he was so open to, listen, if I get tagged, it's just to create more time for us to negotiate right. a deal. Um, and that's my understanding as well, talking to yeah. some people in the building this afternoon, um, that that is the case. Um, they are very optimistic they will have a deal done before the tag deadline. That's Tuesday of the players or when it usually is. Um, and so that that's the hope. And then yeah. they can kind of turn their attention to Jawan Taylor, who you know I was pleasantly surprised to hear from a, from a source today that – He's had conversations with people in the building about, you know, potentially signing a little, something a little bit more long-term. Yeah, I, I can tell you, we've all believed that the Ingram thing would get done. I was just surprised it might be the next day or two. You know, yeah. I, I, think, I think the Ingram thing getting done. And him it, admitting it. Like, yeah, I mean, he yeah, is – and that's yeah. the thing is, like, you know, you could say all you want about his Google Eye emojis or I know Josie yeah. and Matt were, like, bugging out when he tweeted how much he loved New York. Like, yeah. This guy is not showing his hand. Like he is like, yeah, I want to be there. I yeah. want to hang out with Trevor, and and that's what we're gonna do. You think they're all three gonna be here, Arden Key too? What do you think? I, I think Arden is more likely than Jawan simply based on the numbers because I think if you bring all three of those guys back, you're going to have to say goodbye to multiple other guys outside of Shaq Griffin. Obviously, I do think there will be a lot of restructuring. Um, that's been the case, and that's been the notion. I mean, is Trevor Lawrence becoming the next Tom Brady? Where what was once the Patriot way is the Jaguar way. I'll take less money, so should you, so that we can keep the band together. That'll be really curious to see going forward. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I anticipate in terms of order of who most likely will be back, Evan Ingram, then Arden Key, and then Juwan Taylor, although I do believe that this front office really has placed a heavy emphasis on not just fortifying the offensive line but keeping that unit intact and I think they kind of see pass rushers like Arden Key as we can bring in a couple other guys and maybe mix and match. Well, I can tell you this. Um, we've all worried about Arden Key getting left tackle money. I mean, I'm sorry, Jawan getting left tackle money, which could end the deal. But to your point earlier, they want to keep Jawan Taylor. Oh, yeah. I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. They want they want to – they number one, they want to get a guy to a second contract. The book on him that, is – And that, I think, is like – that's kind of where the Cam Robinson deal has kind of bit them in the butt for as much as Trent Baalke loves the guy and he's a good guy. Um, I think his dead, his steadfastness a year ago uh, and even two years ago, to be quite frank, on I am retaining Cam Robinson to prove that we draft guys and we retain them and we reward them. I think that, that now that number, that sheer cap number for Cam is going to bite them in the butt not only this offseason but next offseason as well. What's coming up tonight? That. Oh, well, we got uh, Amanda from the tour is going to be coming in since no more uh, Emily Tillo since she's moved yeah. over to the Corn Ferry side. We've kind of had a revolving door of sorts with all the lovely ladies over at the tour. We love them all. And uh, she's going to break down the Genesis Invitational for us, the first few episodes of Full Swing and oh so much more. So that'll be a ton of fun. And then, of course, we'll dive into a whole bevy of football topics and – 
college basketball as well. Very good. Thank you, Mia. Thanks, guys. Mia, Taylor, and Lauren, they have helmets and heels. It comes up right now. That'll do it for our program. Thanks for being part of it. But don't go anywhere. The ladies are up next. We'll be back tomorrow live from JU. It'll be kind of fun because we'll be live from courtside while the game's going on. That's awesome. Well, we, uh, It'll be a lot of fun watching a JU play Bellarmine. So live in, not from the Riverhouse this time, from the from the arena from Swisher because the game will be starting at 5 o'clock. Must right win here. game. Must win. Boy, is it ever for the JU Dolphins. That's it for our program. For Hayes, Lauren, Gibby, and JJ sitting in this last hour, I'm Frank Franchi. So long.